Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1992, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1992 from here on our perch in 2023. I'm your host, Phyllis Gove. I'm your special guest host, Emily St. James, filling in for regular host, Canadian novelist Emily St. John Mandel, whose life I'm slowly stealing. <laughs> I am I just want to say, so this is this will be our probably fourth or fifth episode that's released um i am thoroughly enjoying this bit that emily uh has has created um at first i was gonna follow in kenny's footsteps uh and and for our first episode there's a bit of a double up of this bit but i'm just fully handing this handing the reins to this because emily is killing it um so here we are today with our guests Brooke Solomon, Jordan Gusterson of the Queer Quadrant podcast. Um, this felt like a no-brainer um, for, for, for a myriad of reasons. Is that a good thing um, or a bad thing? All of, oh, the best thing um, that, we will, that we will unpack, obviously, over the course of this episode. Um, Brooke, you had seen this film, correct, previously? Yes. Or, yeah, okay. Can you believe? I saw this, this film shocking. once in college, it but it was sort of like one of the things where it was like it was on with friends. Right, I right, wasn't right. really paying too much attention to it. So right. I knew the general gist, and this was like a proper dive-in watch. My college friends and I had like, I don't call it a running bit because it was very serious. We had a running thing where we'd be like, what are the lesbian kisses that we should watch and like would go through movies that like were not necessarily specifically gay yeah i thought for see i thought the running bit that you were i'm sorry there's a cat there's my child um that's a good cat 
It's I love that he's, he's a Thank good boy. He's, uh, Lewin is a good boy. I thought, Brooke, the running bit that you were going to say is that you and your friends would slowly morph into one another and you were just going through various stages <laughs> of single white femaleing. Yeah. I mean, you know? that definitely did happen, intentionally or not intentionally. Right. It's like when you start dating someone for a while, you slowly become them. Yes. So I just feel like one person. I just feel like we should take down the time and day that Brooke saw a movie before Jordan. Before it's really awesome. It's here. fucked up. Actually, I'm, I'm mad about it, actually. <laughs> Like, my whole bit is that I can, like, reign over Brooke and be like, oh, you yeah. haven't seen this? Once oh, again, no, what bit, a shock. Very serious. Yeah. Not an ounce of irony. But, look, I will say. Had you seen this film previous to this? No. And for the Patreon listeners, uh, for, for the people who aren't watching this on Patreon, while they were talking, I disappeared and dyed my hair exactly the same color as Brooke's. Yes. So this is going to be it a happened. fun show. I had not seen this film um, my exposure to movies for much of my this point in my life was there was pay, we had pay-per-view and I didn't watch the pay-per-view. I watched the movie preview channel that just showed the same like 10 trailers in a row over and over. Sure. Um, so I've seen the trailer for single white, single white female many times. I know what it means to single white female someone because I'm a woman living in the world, but I have never seen this movie. The question so, is, have you ever single white female someone? I mean, it's we're in progress <laughs> right now. It's That's happening. True. That's Before true. Our very we're eyes. seeing it on I, I will say, though, so I, I had seen this movie, I feel like, by osmosis of working in a video store. Uh, although anyone putting this on a video store should be fired because uh, it's, yes. you know, inappropriate. But many boobs in this a movie. lot of boobs. I would argue this movie has too many boobs but we can have that conversation i mean i i I mean there's it's a little male gazy is what i'm getting at Um, what (laughs) weirdly weirdly this movie has a lot of boobs i'm not sure it's as male gazy as under siege which only has the boobs in the one scene correct but it's just constantly like look at this woman isn't she an object and you're like i guess i don't know (laughs) feel weird about this i do i yeah i think this movie is uh I mean, we're going to unpack all this stuff in terms of the relationship between these two women and and what it's saying, not saying, alluding to any number of things. But this movie, so the, this was a big movie. I didn't know how successful this film was in the greater scheme of things. It has existed in the uh, consciousness because of sort of what Emily just referred to, like the single white female, it became a verb ultimately, like a thing you do. Um, and I, I don't think I certainly didn't see it in 92. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but sitting down to watch it, this was really the first time I had really sat down to watch this thing. Um, it's a lot, guys. Like, there's a lot going on in this movie. Um, I please. knew nothing about this movie. Like, I knew who was in it. I knew, like, I had, I had gotten a lot of Jennifer Jason Lee's, like, whole deal from just, like, existing in the culture. And, like, I, I, I mean, we're going to talk so much about her. She's so good. But when the directed by Barbet Schroeder credit came up, I was like, what the fuck? And I looked at, <laughs> this is his follow-up to being nominated for Best Director at the Oscars. He was like, I'm going to do what I've always wanted to do, single white female. I got my blank check. I'm going to cash it on this weird exploitation, sexy mystery thriller, which and Roger Ebert described as a slasher, which is not which the is genre nice. I would place it in. But, no. you know, there is, there is a slashing with a stiletto. Yes. Correct. Yeah. It is fucking awesome. It's yes. great. 
I mean, this is very Hitchcockian, I think. Ultimately, is probably the most sort of direct corollary of mm-hmm. just sort of, it's a thriller. I, I don't think it's, think it's a, a slasher. I think it's, I think this is like an erotic thriller, like ultimately, yes, like yes. watching this, I'm like, this is, you know, your fatal attraction. This is yes. your basic it's instinct. Insane. This yes. is your, you know, put in sure whatever movie you are thinking from this time period and there's uh, a lot of them in 92 i mean sure. we're going to unpack a handful of them uh karina longworth is coming on uh to talk because she's doing erotic 90s so we're going to kind of uh match up a little bit in may um but i so there, there's uh obviously basic instinct there's hand that rocks the cradle consenting adults final analysis and this that's a lot of like sexy thrillers yeah um and god bless them and they're all like a hundred minutes. <laughs> what I think is like interesting about this one is like, I think that, that at this period in Hollywood history, the studios would like, they knew that queer people existed, but they were like, we can't make explicitly queer things, but occasionally yes. they would make a movie that was like holding their hand above the fish tank containing all the queer people and just dribbling, dribbling a couple of flakes into it. Yes. This is that movie from summer of 1992. This is, this is for yeah. us. Even if it does not seem to be. Yeah. No. It's oh, 100%. I mean, I think that the, the, I want to just, because you mentioned the lesbian kiss earlier, Brooke. So it's worth mentioning here. Um, Passionless. Like, horrible. (laughs) Like, there is nothing erotic about that kiss between the two of them. And when it happened, I was like, like startled almost by how passionless and kind of, if I'm being honest, twisted and kind of uncomfortable, it felt. This is what happens when, like, the the parts of the, the little flakes from the fish tank that the gay people have held on to get absorbed into, like, the popular culture without any of the context around them. So you're like, oh, we should definitely throw on single white people. And you get to the kiss and you're like, what the fuck? I mean, like, yeah. like oh, this whole character is like he's you know you're like yes we have a gay best friend let's go and it's like <laughs> it's cool to see like him being gay but he's like the least like gay gay is there anything gay. gay about him though right I mean, honestly i mean other than he gets the butch from his mom you know but like <laughs> he's like desperately hopelessly single i'm like he would not be single in new york there's I'm no way like, there's no this way movie's like, this movie's like written by don roos who's like this like legendary screenwriter of like queer cinema and like this is his big breakthrough and it does feel like he's trying to sneak certain things in but you filter that lesbian kiss through two actresses who are you know predominantly straight i'm not going to judge either of their sexualities but they've been in heterosexual relationships and a director who is also not particularly good at like queer subtext and it becomes like somebody mashing two dolls together when everyone knows the the queerest thing in this movie is becoming obsessed with a woman then becoming her and then destroying her life because she doesn't return your interest like that's 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 the vibe yeah and there, there are these little like erotic pockets. Like I think the the scene of Hetty undressing very casually in front of Allie is like a, a good example of something that's like, well, this is what you do when you were female roommates, or at least like this is what you do in like 
the the eyes of a male writer screenwriter and director when you have female roommates is you're just like whipping your top off yes. left and right um I know what happens. The, the, the naked pillow fights the lingerie oh parties i could go on and on but um and like when they're cuddling in bed with the dog like there yeah. are little beats but when it actually gets to being like okay everybody here we go like she was in love with her the whole time it just loses any of the uh the sort of like tension and the the, the intrigue of that I don't gray disagree. Area. I do I do think that like I thought that the first sort of 40 minutes of this film was maybe more interesting than when it becomes like a full-on quote unquote slasher thriller whatever. I was I, I found it genuinely interesting watching these two people um bond and actually find this this common ground these two very different like it, it was actually really lovely yeah and then obviously it turns into what it turns into which i didn't dislike by any means but it does feel like kind of two different movies like it does feel like but maybe that's the point i think it's i think go ahead no emily st uh john mandel please thank you <laughs> actually it's emily st james um i i'm sorry she can't be emily st john mandel can't be here this week um <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, I do think like there is a version of this story that's really compelling and interesting that is about these two women uh, falling for each other. Mm-hmm. And then one of them is like, kind of is like, it's 1992. I can't do this. And she like backs out and goes back to the guy because she's, you know, bisexual. And that is like a really interesting examination of like sexual power dynamics and like homoeroticism and homophobia. But you couldn't make that in 1992 in the studio system. So instead, you get this like weird subtextual version of it that just kind of doesn't work. But it does have someone getting stabbed in the eye with a stiletto, which is great. So it is great. I I mean, and I'm surprised more people don't talk about that. The stiletto kill kill is phenomenal. Uh, It rules. I also just feel like this movie was a lot more sexual than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. a lot more sexual. And I don't even just mean on the nudity side of things, of which there was, as we mentioned, a lot of it. Do um, you mean Petty going down on Sam, right? Correct. correct. And, being and, like, then, and then ah. saying the line that we all thought only Cameron Diaz said in Vanilla Sky. Right. You, you <laughs> swallowed my cum and that means something. That means I, something. I believe, what is the iteration here? He came in my he mouth. came in my and, mouth and then tried to beat the shit out of me. Out of me. Yeah. And that means something. <laughs> that means something. I, I mean, it's, it really is. First of all, I just want to say it's perfectly cast. These two people, Bridget Fonda and Jennifer Jason Lee, are perfect yin and yangs to each other. Yes. Um, and and it's, it's really, really well done. Um, I think that Jennifer Jason Lee has the, the heavy lifting. I think that Bridget has to play it a little bit. And Bridget's great, by the way. Bridget, by the way, had an amazing 92. This and singles, chef's kiss. She's great. Um, but it is interesting how Jennifer Jason Lee, yeah, they kind of, I mean, they kind of short tripped her character when everything is said and done. Like they kind of screw her over at the end. Yes. But she's perfectly threading this needle of, weird creepy and weird endearing and grounded and i think if it was done by almost anyone else it would have tipped way earlier and she doesn't tip she slowly tips ultimately is what i'm getting at yeah i I mean i thought this was a really sensitive portrayal of mental illness phil i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) 
Did you? It's definitely not, I mean, definitely not I, a little bit much. Yeah, I, but I, the thing too is that the deaths, when she's killing people, like it's trying to seem accidental on every front. Like you don't get the impression- Stiletto that she, to the eye is not so, not so accidental. But do you think she meant to kill him with it? I think she did mean to kill him. I don't oh, know what okay. necessarily that's but no, but I, I I understand what you're getting at in yeah. that it's like her her kills are very emotionally driven as yes. opposed to premeditated. I mean, Correct. she kills the dog, and that feels very intentional. And I think yeah, like he got screwed. Yeah, and that was the most upsetting part of the movie, of course. I agree. Um, I think it's like what I find so fascinating is like the contrast between Allie and Hetty is really about like the contrast between like heterosexual if we want to say she's by passing and then sure. like Hetty, like as a lesbian, but like, at, I think what's so fascinating for me on this first watch was Allie is so deeply entrenched in like the feminine and is so scared of like all queers yep. in general. Yep. So then like Hetty comes in as like a sneaky queer. And then like over the course of the movie is like, guess what? I'm lesbian and I want to become you. And she is best friends with Graham who is openly gay. I think, I think it's specifically like lesbians because there's the whole, okay. when she has all of the roommates come in, they are all so clearly queer coded in like different there's like lesbian stereotypes. By the way, holy fuck. That sequence of her taking photos of all the applicants is insane. Can you yeah. imagine doing that? Yeah. Why can't you just live on your own? There's an interesting like duality of like the, the, the woman who's clearly meant to be coded as like a butch lesbian who yes. comes in and is like, oh, are you good with power tools? I can really sure. open up this sure. kitchen and be like super hyper femme girl who's like, crazy. I really think this could be great. Like it's, it is, I think like very clearly meant to be yeah. like, she's weirded out by how into her these women are. Yes, 100%. Um, and also seems a little bit titillated by it too. But that's- yeah. I'm fascinated by this movie's portrayal of cis straight men. Because Stephen Weber is in, is an inf- infidelity piece of shit, yes. and Stephen Tobolowski of all people is playing a sexually <laughs> harassment, a sexual harassment one. demon. <laughs> and then the end of the movie is like Don Roos being like, maybe sexual harassment demon's going to save the day. Is that what you want to see? And you're like, not really. And like, uh, but I think this movie is very like there is something pointed about the way all the cis straight men in it are terrible people, yes. but in ways that society is like, I guess that's fine, whatever. Right. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. The, the Stephen po- to- Tobolowski casting blew my mind. I yeah. was just like, this is, a, this is the womanizer you picked? I mean, the irony is that Tobolowski in 92 is in sneakers as well, where he plays the, what you would expect him to be, yes. a tech nerd who can't get laid. Like, yeah. it's, it's crazy to me that in the same year, Hollywood was like, this guy can be this both. This guy fucks. <laughs> I, I love Stephen Tobolowsky. Like I, when he showed up, I was like, oh God, I forgot this was him. And then once again, because when I watched this the first time, I was really only half watching it. I because you were like, where's the lesbian kiss? Yeah, I mean, we were just waiting. I, I completely forgot that they tried to pull the okay, he's gonna come in and save the day. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh God. Like it's I don't crazy. remember what happens. Like Am I about to see her get saved by her would-be rapist? I mean, you know. Yeah, when that transpired, when he came in, first of all, played as a joke, right? So he sees her bound and and gagged on the floor, and he's like, what the hell's going on here? And it's like a joke. And then you have this whole, like, him being on top of her. Yes. And then Hattie thinking that he's trying to rape her again. And so, again, it comes back to this, like, all of Hattie's, Hattie's kills are either defensive in terms of to her own life or defending Allie's 
life. Yeah. Which is interesting. I don't know what to make of any of it. Except for honestly. the fucking dog. The dog she just <laughs> yes. kills out of spite. Yes. Which, it's... by the way, we never see. Because if we saw her kill the dog, I think that people would be just completely done with her. There well, is we enough see of a the question mark. Dead, though. We yeah, see they're... the dog dead, but we see Hetty feeling terrible, and we have the whole like weird wrought iron fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So like there's enough question marks attached to it that as an audience member, you're not like a hundred percent sure she killed the dog. Cause if we saw her throw the dog off the balcony. Right? I, I mean, it would be boiling the rabbit. It, you yeah, yeah. You're done. Like, you, they, yeah. No one would be able to go on the ride with her anymore. It, yeah. I, I honestly boiling rabbits. Let's go. But honestly, to me, nothing <laughs> says this movie was written by Don Roos more like the puppy dying, but like the cute orange cat getting to live. Like I was like, let's go. And not just getting to live, giving zero fucks while all of this shit is going yes. down, like it's sleeping chilling, while people are unbothered. <laughs> it's a good orange cat too. So fluffy. It's nice. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so. so I'm going to give a little bit of context for our listeners who might not have seen Single White Female. Having recently split from fiance Sam Rawson, played by Steven Weber, Allison Jones, played by Bridget Fonda, <laughs> welcomes new roommate Hedra Carlson, played by Jennifer Jason Lee. The young women quickly form a bond, but as Allison starts to rethink her engagement, Hedra grows jealous and hostile. As Allison learns new details about her roommate's life, Hedra gets violent in her efforts to get Sam out of the picture. When Hedra turn, uh, with Hedra turning more menacing by the minute, Allison finally understands what she's up against. Think of white female opened on August 14th, 1999 against Unforgiven, Death Becomes Her, Three Ninjas, A League of Their Own, and of course, The Mighty Ducks. It would go on to make $84 million, which is like almost $200 million today. Uh, on a $16 million budget, it had 53% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 44 from audiences. Roger Ebert gave the film three stars, saying there is a certain rising tide of madness in Single White Female that is one of the movie's pleasures. Evid- <laughs> evidence that it was made by a man who directs films instead of simply manufacturing them. I've long adopted a generic approach to film criticism, evaluating movies as examples of what they aspire to be. No genre is beyond redemption or beneath contempt and here the slasher genre is given its due with strong performances and direction of course you may despise movies like this but that's another subject um i think that this so the movie that came to mind and i texted you guys about this but like this is a real talented mr ripley vibe yes um in terms of just uh loser wanting to be cool i I, not to not to be too base about it but like there is this idea which i love in this film and there's a great monologue or scene where in a mirror where Hetty is looking at her with these, with, with her earrings on. And she's basically like, life is always going to work out for you. Like you've got it all. You're beautiful and you're stylish and you're a professional and all these things. And I'm just a fucking loser. And there's very much that with Tom and Dickie in, in Tom Thomas Ripley as well. Of, and, and obviously the homosexual undertones in that film is, you know, prevalent too. I think there's something really interesting about and and Brooke I know you this is your favorite genre. It is my favorite genre. So yes. I, there there's a handful of movies that you have a letterbox for. I think it, there were like 6 7 movies yeah, on that list. Yeah. It depends how insular you want to get. First of all, Talented Mr. Ripley, one of the best movies of all time. Like yes, full stop. Yeah. Um and I think that like in kind of the trifecta of loser wants to be cool and homoerotically takes over my life, the it's single white female, talented Miss Ripley, and in my opinion, Anchor Goes West, which is that same 
sort of like contemporary look at like I need to be cool and like similarly to single white female like does have a lot of kind of like undercurrents of mental issues similarly like not exactly handled sensitively Mm -hmm. but I would say not handled sensitively listen I really like I love that movie like I'm not gonna pretend that we should definitely like look at it as like the pinnacle of how to sensitively portray things but sometimes you know it has the best red carpet ever yeah but it's also like Ingrid Goes West is is definitely a dark comedy like i mean it is it and because it is sort of you know charting those waters i think it gets a little bit of rope in terms of mm-hmm. what it's trying to say or not say but you know this and ripley both being murderous and violent and sort of um more thriller crime solving whatever um i do think that there is something more so with this movie less so with ripley of like what is it saying about gay people being violent? <laughs> like, I don't, I mean, I don't. That's always the question. We we talk a lot about the on the queer quadrant, a lot about it, like be gay, do crime yeah. subgenre, and how like there can be kind of like the the good for her or good for him or good for them yeah. version of that. Yeah. Um, something more like Bound or Handmaiden, where it is more about like getting justice, but that there is also like the more twisted, like evil fun gay. Version version a la rope and like well i mean i feel like this and basic instinct are like a fun compare contrast because they're both like ultimately like two queer you know uh women who you know do some killing and like for us at least personally we really stand and ride for basic instinct (laughs) and like sure yeah it's just there it's just like a different it's the way in which the movies i think portray the queerness and the characters and ultimately like what their goals are and how they go about it I just think is a fascinating compare and contrast within these two worlds because ultimately like that movie was so derided for its portrayal of queerness Mm -hmm. and like in hindsight has gained more appreciation while this one I think has gone the opposite and more people I got I was obviously was not around at the time to necessarily critique it um but like now so like when you read so much about it's about like let lesbian phobia like how like sure anti-queer this movie can be read as so i think there's just an interesting pinnacle especially well, because also, both are erotic thrillers you know 100 i mean and emily i'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this because i do feel like verhoven versus a schroeder i, I mean I, I verhoven is i think most people would argue you know a lot of his stuff not not a parody necessarily but certainly satirizing genres and certainly kind of taking the piss out of genres on genre yeah a playful edge right whereas schroeder i'm not convinced this feels this feels a no pun intended straight like this is this is not a movie that is kind of playing with genre but what do you think emily I might actually, I might actually point to the the screenwriters before I would the directors. I think Joe Esterhaus, who's who wrote Basic Instinct, I think, <clears throat> I think Catherine in that movie is that's her name, right? Um, is is you know on the page she's very much like this is what a lesbian is like, or you know like this is what a bisexual woman is like, and through the lens of Verhoeven, like that becomes more satirical there becomes and there becomes an almost comedic edge to that that i think is gets pulled off the flip side is here where i think don ruse is really um subverting sort of these ideas and it's playing around with them and then schroeder's like well of course this is what happens when two women live together they take off their clothes and they kiss that's my barbette schroeder impression (laughs) 
but like there is this like there is this weird thing of like the subtext here is all queer Mm-hmm. And the subtext in Bakes' Basic Instinct kind of isn't queer at all, but the text is queer. And like they, but they're all, they're like working at odds in both cases, the subtext and text in like yeah. ways I find fascinating. I tend to prefer when stuff is subtextually queer, you know, it, in that scenario where it's being made by like straight filmmakers. I often think subtextual queerness is more interesting, especially at this point in film history. But like, you certainly can't, I certainly can't sit here and say, yes, this is a win for the lesbians, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, you make an interesting point of sort of uh, the marriage of, of screenwriter and director. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a better match with Basic Instinct in terms mm-hmm. of just those, those two seem to be on the same wavelength. Um, this feels a little bit more at odds and i and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for the movie quite honestly like it is it's interesting to watch schroeder interpret Roos's script um because i would argue he doesn't really understand it um or it's also possible that you know again this is 1992 and you know uh how how overt can you be about the things that you perhaps want to be i mean Roos had a very has had a very interesting career i'm not i'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that i'm the biggest fan of his work like i i, I think opposite, either yeah. yeah i think yeah. opposite of sex is an interesting movie i think bounce is kind of blah personally but whatever um i don't know i think he's i think he's fine um you i know, would argue this might be his best script you know who is making the best don roos like the best don roos stuff better than don roos is i think the white lotus is a mm-hmm. Don Roos project that's like made really well because it's like a queer filmmaker being like I just don't get straight people let's look at their mini foibles and like but yeah like that's Don Roos is always like trying to interpret cishet American society through a queer lens and when he was just a screenwriter that would often get thrown in the blender with a director who just did not get what he was going for and I'm not the world's biggest fan of him but he certainly has a point of view in a way I'm not sure Barbette Schroeder does yeah, yes. yeah I, I mean, that yeah, go ahead. Sorry, please go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think that that is kind of like exemplified in the like actual filming of this movie with the character of Allie, who like I really like Bridget Fonda's performance, but you definitely like get the sense that on the page she's supposed to be like you're supposed to be like she's kind of boring, like it feels like yeah. there should you should be like girl why are you going back to your shitty acts like what are you like exactly what you said emily like i don't really get straight people or at least like straight presenting people and it definitely feels like in the interpretation from page to screen this is like ali is our classic heroine like she is at like she's everything who we should love and care for and it just, it feels like that dynamic of kind of like whose side we should be on is slightly more nuanced on the page when it comes to the decisions that Ellie makes, like in her For own sure. life. And that I, would, yeah. I would also say to, you know, not to, not to belabor the Ripley comparisons, but like the thing about Dickie is that you immediately understand yes. why he wants to be him, right? Like, I mean, Jude Law is a gorgeous, you know, 
person, but like he's yes. living in Italy. He's got all this money. Like he's clearly a very popular person that, you know, that, that speech that, that uh, Gwyneth gives about how, you know, the sun, when he's talking to you, it feels like the sun is shining. Uh, but when he, it gets so cold, when he doesn't like there's, you understand that Allison doesn't radiate the same thing. So what you're left with is just sort of, first of all, like, why, yeah, why would you even entertain going back to Steven Weber after he has sex with his ex-wife and you hear about it on the speakerphone of his answering machine? Like, it's all just very strange. But on the Don Roos thing, I think it's also worth noting, we have a, a, another 92 film that Don Roos wrote, Emily, that we will cover at some point, Love Field, a film I have not seen, uh, the Michelle Pfeiffer movie uh, about, about the JFK assassination. Oh! Um, so, I, I, I'm leaning in. Leaning that in. was a real hook. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, an, it's an interracial love story, right? Yes. It's like her and Dennis Haysbert yes. fall in love. Like, that is... That's going to be fascinating, if nothing else. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to. I a mean, hot couple. I do love Dennis Haysbert. Gotta say, he did. Uh, he also wrote Boys in the Side, uh, a movie that I vaguely remember. Wait, my wife's in the room. Hey, Libby, Boys on the Side. Just, just shout Boys on the Side or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She like for some reason when we were in college, Boys on the Side was like a thing that was a joke, and I don't know a fucking thing about it. I don't know why it was a joke. I thought if I said it, she would get excited, and she, she didn't. She didn't. She's I'm been sorry. trying to chime in about everything else, but you know what? I, like, I mean, listen, but there was some I, Boys on the Side. Boys on the Side is uh, Mary Louise Parker, Drew Barrymore, and Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg. Goldberg. Um. And yeah, there's boys. They're on the side. Uh, Cross country road trip. My goodness. And then uh, Diabolique, the remake of that in 96, which totally makes sense in terms of this film. Like those movies make sense. Marley and Me, which I had no idea he wrote, uh, but he must have made bank off of that. He's trying to atone with that film (laughs) is what he's doing. And he fucks up again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Man likes killing puppies. Let's just say. I didn't know he directed and wrote the other woman in the ninety, the two thousand and nine movie. The um, was, isn't that the one with a? Uh, oh no, that's a different movie. I'm thinking of. Anyway, how many other women have there been? Well, because I was a, thinking a, about the. There's a different movie. It's like a, yeah. a comedy. That's what I'm talking movie. about. The the Leslie Mann, uh, Kate Upton movie. Wasn't that yeah. called the other woman? Anyway, um, so this yeah. Anyway, this is Don Roos. That's yeah. Don Roos. Um, I think there so, is something though. Like what? Like just to give him like a scotia credit. Like, I do think, like, like reading through some of the quotes and sort of, I think there is, like, he is trying to, like, sort of look at, like, as we were saying, like, a girl boss version of, like, the American ideal, like, quote-unquote, like, woman, where, like, she is so successful in her job, and she also wants to have a lot of kids and be a homemaker, and also be able to, like, make so much money. So it's, like... And she's stylish. And right, she's, exactly. Like, you know, so, like, absolutely. And then, like, the way that it... But then obviously like contrast with Hetty and like you can see sort of the intentionality with like trying to play with like American ideals versus not it's again just like really uh, upon like an execution thing that I think like you sort of like have some more stumblings but there is like the sliver there that's fascinating but then again it's like the job isn't that interesting ultimately like I think the funniest part about it is when like it starts deleting everything <laughs> in the end her built-in bugs <laughs> right. I loved it so much I was like what can you do this so, so goofy at the end of this movie, I'm totally rooting for Hetty to take down Allie and take over her life. And like, yes. and yet I'm like, and now she's going to be a software engineer. That right. feels like a thing that would require some professional training. But maybe, you know what, if there's anyone who can just fake it until she makes it, it's Hetty. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I, I, so there was something that came to mind as I was watching this, Emily, and I'm curious as to on the TV side, which I think is interesting. Um, it made me think a lot of Melrose Place. Um, okay. And, and, I, and I say that just in the sense of, um, I mean, Melrose Place had the infamous wig uh that uh that what's her face takes off and shows that she has like this crazy like scar because she had like a brain tumor and there's all kinds of crazy shit that happens in melrose place um it also melrose place obviously all takes place in one apartment building this has an amazing apartment indeed the titular melrose place um it's just there's there's kind of this you know, sexy, soapy, thrillery kind of vibe that exists within Mallory's Place, which also premieres in 92, um, which I, I don't know if necessarily they have one thing to do with the other. I imagine they don't. But it feels like there's something in the water around this time of this kind of sexy, soapy, psychosexual thriller stuff. I feel like... The, the vibe of the 90s psychosexual thriller is very much often queer people usually cis gay men but not always taking Aaron Spelling stuff and just being like you know Aaron Spelling would like clutch his hands together and be like what if the ladies got covered in mud and then they fought and then like the Darren stars of the world would be like oh what if the ladies got covered in mud and then they fought and then you know like they would do that but they would do it with that arch campy sensibility that Aaron Spelling sort of didn't realize he was bringing, you know, like Dallas and Falcon Crest and all those shows launched with like this idea of we're going to be family dramas and there's also going to be soapy stuff. And then the soapy stuff took over and, you know, the, the Darren stars, the, the Ryan Murphy's, those folks are very much like, we are just going to go all out soapy camp from the first. And I feel like Melrose place is, is, is because it's a spinoff of Beverly Hills 90210, which follows the much more common. We are a normal show about teen issues to crazy soapy thing like Dallas, for instance, whereas Melrose Place just from the first was like, oh, you know what? This is going to be full of weird twists. This is going to be full of weird stuff. I feel like they were older the, the, too, which allowed them that freedom because it's obviously men or two and I was about high school. Yeah. So yeah. And I feel like the juice in all of these projects is very much like, Someone behind the camera, uh, usually the screenwriter, given this era in, in history, was queer. And they were like taking that sensibility to telling stories that are ostensibly about like normal people living their lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the 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 frisson is like, like, I'm just going to keep throwing out examples. But like Dawson's Creek is kind of also this, like mm-hmm. the whole sure, sure. vibe is like. I mean, Dawson's Creek certainly gets crazier as it goes. Is basically yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. But like the whole vibe is, yeah, I kind of just don't understand the way we've constructed society, but but I'm going to go along with it. And and sort of to Jordan's earlier point, you know, Allie in this film is very much like straight passing, but that requires a sort of like a sort of um, buying into the system as a whole mm-hmm. that queer people inherently sort of question you know like um i'm i mean i'm 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 a blonde white lady who wears sweaters and shops at costco i have a baby i look like a mom you know like when people see me out and about like like there is like a tension there between like my identity and my presentation and i think almost all of these projects are right down at like the dna level of like the presentation of this show is fairly conventional 
but the actual like identity of it is completely bonkers. And that schism is what made these shows interesting. And now that like we can be more textually queer, I feel like that they've gotten too destabilized in a certain way. So that's why we can't well, do them would, as much right now. I would I would also agree I agree with everything you're saying. And I would say too that the the subtlety to some degree or another is also getting lost in this too, right? Like back in the day, things had to be coded. Now you can just kind of put it on front street, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Obviously I'm for that, but from a storytelling perspective, now what you're getting is stuff that are just like hammering you. I mean, Ryan Murphy being a perfect example of that, where like, there's just no subtlety anymore about, about what's going on. There's just no subtext. Yeah. Well, it's like everyone forgot that once you like are allowed to have out queer characters in the mainstream media that like the only thing that was like interesting and tension filled about them was the fact that they were queer like it doesn't have to be the case but I think to Emily's point about kind of like social conventions and whether like the characters choose to play into that you really see it with Hetty being like first of all why would you go back to the person that cheated on you like he's going to cheat on you again. I I think that that is really played in the film as like a dig, as something mean that she says. And it's like, no, she's completely right. Like he is going to cheat on her again. And that Allie is so willing to let like the sexual harassment go. And Hetty is the one that's like, no, we need to call him and scare him and show him that this isn't okay. Like her sort of, whether you want to call it her instability. (laughs) You know, like either it's kind of pitched as like, a, her instability, B, her, like, queer coding, or C, a combination of both, allow her to, like, free herself from the shackles of femininity. It's really... Well, I also... A- Emily, you look like you, you want to say something, so I, I can wait if you have something to, to... I'm also... I'm thinking about this in terms of one of the things that's so threatening to um, society about queer womanhood is it doesn't involve men. You know, like, yes. when when women are with other women or with people who are neither men nor women um you know there is like you don't have to have the straight man present and like so many of these projects are are kind of subtextually about straight men and how they're stupid and fucked up and we kind of don't want to have them around but like, we must sorry, so. we have to um, like i i think you know, you, you look at uh, a, a movie like this and it's very much like kind of that that classic union within fiction between gay men and straight women. That's like, men, what? why do we have to put up with their bullshit? Yeah, yeah. And queer femininity exists outside that dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of one of the reasons that movies of this period are like lesbians. They're murderers, right? We can, <laughs> we can say that. We can all just come together and say that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I also, I want to unpack for a second here because it feels like this is also something worth kind of examining, which is the twins element of this. So like... <laughs> Sapphic duality, baby. Well, so you, yeah. Do I want to be you? Do I want to become you? Well, there's, yeah, no, for time. sure. <laughs> but it's also, it feels a little bit like... It's, the literal twin the, that oh, she the had. Actual, the, actual. the literal twin is what I'm talking about, right? So, like, <laughs> yeah. what you've got is this sort of... Because, like, there's this push and pull of everything, you guys, that we're all talking about in terms of the obvious sort of uh, gay components that exist in this. But then mixed into all of this is this, like, guilt that she might have killed her sister. <laughs> yes. So, which which is feeding into all of this, too. Like, all of her 
violent tendencies, all of her antisocial tendencies seem to stem from what seems like an accidental drowning, or at least what we're led to believe is an accident. Although we don't know. I mean, did she kill her? I don't know. But like, it does seem as though that's muddying the waters a little bit in all the stuff you guys are talking about, right? Like the gay stuff, it's like it's there, but they needed some other reason for her to be the way she is too. So it's kind of like, it's a little confusing. Which is also a very classic, like, we're sisters, we're closer than sisters. Yeah. You right, know right, what I right, mean? Right, right. It's, it's the sort of safety net of intimacy that you can mm. put on a friendship with a woman who you're not related to or someone of the, the same gender who you're right. not related to. But Which it, happens in Ripley as well, right? Where yes. he's like, we're brothers, hey. You know what I mean? It's hey, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, it happens in Black Swan a little bit. Like, yes. it's, it's yes. everywhere. Um, I think that... It's the twin, the literal twin thing is fascinating because I think that we have to believe that it was an accident because like Hetty's whole desire is to find someone like kind of to be twins with her and then eventually surpass them. So I think you have to believe that it was a total accident. And this is just all some like unresolved childhood trauma because why, like, I don't know, like it's, she's not quite a hard edge Mm-hmm. like psychopath well she yeah. didn't get to have a bad haircut with a sibling growing up and so therefore <laughs> has to resolve her trauma <laughs> down the line we're gonna get to the haircut in a second but i do need to say i love that back in the 90s everyone had a shoebox filled with all of their secrets that yes. someone could find and because we just don't have that anymore and i wish we That's still had don't have a shoebox full of your yeah. secrets do you not have a drawer or something phil come on i know that i love to clip newspaper clippings of my <laughs> own traumatic family events and carry around it with literally me. and figuratively yeah. the it's trauma just, the I, I love it I, so i want to talk about the haircut for a second first of all <laughs> shocker Everyone wears wigs in this movie. No one's hair. I, I know. I don't mean to blow minds here. No. Bridget Fonda's hair, which was, I I mean, am I wrong, Emily? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't, kind of iconic. Like that I haircut feel, yeah. was like a thing. I mean, uh, I have it because Emily St. John Mandel has it and we're, we're becoming each other. But um, the, uh, no, the, the haircut is like, yeah, but also it's a wig and you can tell yes. like that's it's a wig it's that's very, the issue with it yeah yeah it's, it's like it's, yeah. weirdly i feel like jennifer jason lee pulls it off more than bridget fonda does like i i'm i yeah. just it kind of looks it kind of looks like a mushroom on it bridget does. fonda a little well, that bit that was a haircut style i i unfortunately right had a bit of a right whereas at one point too right but i Whereas when Jennifer Jason Lee wears it, she looks kind of like a sexy pencil. And like, I'm into that. Yes. So. Yes. There's, it's, it's sort of kind of pixie. Sexy pencil. Sexy pencil. It's a little pixie esque, right? Yes. Like, it's not a full Very pixie so, hair, yeah. but, but it's also sort of, it's clearly a wig. Yeah. So you can tell that like all her hair is bunched up underneath yes. it so that gives it this very round bulbous kind of quality to it um when jennifer jason lee walks down the steps at the hair salon yes. with the same hairstyle oh. i literally laughed out loud and was like what is happening like it's so, it's so absolute good. bad shit crazy and for her to be like what i thought you'd like great. It. it's great Perfect. it's great that's the best part of the movie <laughs> yeah 
it's that is legitimately so funny because that's like the it, it's just touching camp that's like the moment where you're yes, like yes, girl yes, 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 in yes. what world yes. it, it breaks reality like just yes. enough for a second i absolutely agree with you 100%. Like if the whole movie had that tone i would be so in well this know? comes this, this this is a question i have for both for, for everybody on here could this movie get remade today yes well, it was yeah. in what year? It wasn't um, like, well, there was the a roommate. sequel, a straight to video. There's sequel. the roommate, yeah. yeah, the roommate of 2011, which stars like every oh, TV, I don't think I saw that. hot TV Eaton kid of the moment. Is it good? Yeah. No, no, it's terrible. I've never seen it. Um, but it, it's yeah. that that one is like actually like. I'm doing this because I'm in love with you. It's like the the we got just, we got. Leighton Meester, Minka Kelly, Ali Michaela, uh, Mc- oh, Mc- wow. I always watch that last name. Billy Zane is in it though. I'm sorry, Nina Dobrev. Yes, I'm, I'm watching the room after we're done here. That's happening. But I, but I, I guess the apples. thing is Why that, like, when I say like yeah, remade, I mean like straight up remade, like single yes. white yeah. female or single black female doesn't need to be racial. They did, I think didn't I mean, they do that? Did they do a single black female? I think they might have. Maybe also, are we going to touch on the original title of the book that is yeah. racist? Is it yeah. SWF Seek Same? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. yeah no, they, okay, they in, wow, in 2022, there was single black female. Really? Um, this like it, it kind of doesn't exist. It looks like it doesn't exist. Um, Raven Goodwin and Amber Riley? From Amber Glee? Riley, I know. From Glee, yes. Yeah. Of Glee fame. What's interesting about this tangent that we're on is that Whoopi Goldberg auditioned for the role of Allison Jones, which is crazy i don't good know what the, i mean good for her don't have a problem with Whoopi goldberg in general but does this role does not camps well, i don't know though i in 92 she does sister act so like i mean a great movie. also gay but is, is it, it gay seen it. yeah isn't there a queer subjects in sister act seen sister no act. now i'm gonna i'll be How looking is? for it no like, is, it the, is it the second one I was reading Sister a list. Back, back in the, in the habit. habit. Back in the habit. I was reading a list, and someone said Sister Act somewhere, right. and so I had to. I mean, we this just have. Just... I mean, nuns. Nuns always have lesbian subtext, just right, as of a concept. Course. But yes, yeah. yes, I uh, really want. Well, yeah, yeah. as, as Benedetta, best executed in Benedetta. Yes. Um, and oh if you want God. the actual sensitive. Benedetta. But I need to see it. Oh, still, no. If you want the sensitive indie <laughs> version of gay nuns, there's Novitiate with they, uh, Marco okay. Polly. Yeah. They should make Benedetta 2 back in the habit where she has to go and take over an inner city school and like teach their group. Oh, yes. So I, I want Jesus returning he on, on yes. horseback. He must. Great. So I want to talk about um, Bridget Fonda for a second here. Yeah. Because Bridget Fonda, who I think it's early to do this, but I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to queen her uh, the queen of 1992. She's got wow. Army of Darkness singles and Single White Female. I mean, those are three great films and she's great in them. But yes. um, what I kind of want to unpack is... It is too early to do that because Michelle okay. Pfeiffer also exists. And, like, she's only is... in one movie. Oh, yeah, she's in Batman Returns. But the thing is, Michelle Pfeiffer exists, period. You're you right, know? you're right. I'm so... like, I take it all back. But I do want yeah. to say this. I take it back, I take it back. Um, I... I am convinced that Bridget Fonda and Kenny and I did this. We unpacked this a little bit because she's in Lake Placid in 99. And we were just sort of like, how did Bridget Fonda never become a huge movie star? And it's not to say that she did. She was in a lot of movies and but she never really. And this is, I guess, one of them that's like on her shoulders for all intents and purposes. Right. It's a co-lead, but still like it's really a lot of this is on her. Um, I mentioned this to you guys when we, we were texting about this as well. Uh, she turns down the, the role of Ally McBeal. 
in Ally McBeal um, in 98, which was when they shot it, obviously, and it came out in obviously 98 as well, but um, which I think she would have crushed. And I think that would have taken her to a whole, obviously a whole new level. And I think that that show would have been just as successful with her in it, if not more. Um, and then she, you know, she does a lot of movies in the nineties. Jackie Brown is probably Jackie Brown, simple plan, Lake Placid. Like that's when she's sort of, you know, in the pocket a little bit, but then she basically does monkey bone in 2001 kiss the dragon. And then she's done. And that's basically it. Um, what are your thoughts on Bridget Fonda? Do you, are you fans? Are you not fans? Do you think she should have been a bigger star? Okay. I'm sorry to like age us. No, no, no. I'm sorry to age us. We have not seen any Bridget Fonda movies is what you're basically going to say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's fine. I like, I don't have an opinion about. Is this the only Bridget Fonda film you've seen? I have seen Jackie Brown. You've seen Army. Have you seen Army of Darkness? I have not seen Army of Darkness. She's she's only in it at the very end, but she's she's barely in it. Yeah. Yeah. She's barely in it. Um, And I, to be clear, I love her in Jackie Brown, but I just don't know enough about her to like. She's great in uh, It Could Happen to You, a great rom com with Nicolas Cage where he wins the lottery and she's this waitress and they're adorable together. I, I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm, I've always been a fan of hers. Emily, do you have thoughts on Bridget Fonda? I don't really. Um, <laughs> I, a lot of like, I found her. I found her in this movie very dull. I thought she was oh, okay. like not okay. that interesting. I, I, I mean, much that's prefer- on the page. I would say maybe more. That's so definitely that. like it's. I think that she is doing the most to make a dull character interesting. Sure. Like, I don't think she's turning in a bad performance. I think she just sure. doesn't have the material to work with. Agreed. I liked her in things. I, I liked her in. I like her in Jackie Brown. Um, I love her in Simple Plan. I think she's very she's fun in that movie. Her fun is the wrong word for what she does in that movie. Uh, yeah. But I think she's great <laughs> in it. Like, and I've. I've I've liked her in other things. Yeah. I've liked her in other things, but I think Phil and I are on just the exact opposite lines of the generational divide that is Gen X millennial. And like, I think the fact that I don't care about Bridget Fonda at all is a firm sign of my millennialness. (laughs) Um, I I think that's probably a fair assessment. I mean, I think that, but she's also not existed. I mean, this is kind of, this was the point that Kenny and I made when we were talking about uh, like Placid, which, which was that like she never really crossed a threshold where she became a thing. Like I, I don't think, think she wanted to. That's like I remember this period because I was watching like Entertainment Tonight and stuff as as a as a wee elder millennial mm-hmm. and was like she was all over and people were like because of her family name, she was elevated to a stardom she could never quite achieve. Yeah. And then I do feel like she didn't quite vibe with that. It just seemed like she was very happy to take ensemble parts in movies. And then when she, you know, got married and seemed to like have a life outside of her work, it was just sort of like she didn't really care about it anymore. And like, the thing is, if you have that kind of money, if you've made that kind of bank and you want to just go off and live your life, fucking just go off and live go your life. Your like life. I, and, yeah. the money the two of them have, they're they I would be doing exactly yeah. what fucking Although I gotta say, doing. <laughs> Danny Elfman, I, I've seen him shirtless far too much over the last couple of years. Uh, it's it's like a carrot top situation that I can't get on board with. Um, uh, but but I, I do support it. Let's let's move on to the other female lead in this film, which is Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, yeah, <laughs> yep. Who is who? 
is amazing is always amazing yes. very infrequently the lead it seems also kind of an ensemble player who seems to be either playing a uh you know a romantic lead to a to a male lead or whatever the case might be but like in 92 this is her only film in 92 it was just single white female uh 93 she's got shortcuts 94 she has uh hudsucker proxy and the, mrs parker the vicious circle dolores claiborne um i mean she's just killing it she's in existence in 99 uh which we talked about um which she's fucking rad in um you know she's she's just always good but I do feel like she's sort of gone away a little bit. Like the last big thing, and I'm kind of surprised she didn't get an Oscar nomination for, um, or she did. My apologies for April Eight. She did get an Oscar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was her oh, first yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really interesting to look at her filmography because she's essentially like very, very little accolades. Um, and then you get to the hateful eight, and it's like fucking everything. <laughs> everything. And then that was that was oh. like her moment. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. feel like she exists as a character very often as a per- performer. She exists as the character who doesn't take shit, usually from men. And Hateful Eight is about how that character gets beat up and she gets a bunch of nominations for it. She's fantastic in Hateful Eight. I'm not, she's like the best performance in that movie. I fucking love her. But like, it is a very, like, I think it's weirdly telling of how Hollywood perceives her that yeah. the movie where she oh, got yeah. beat up is the movie she won awards for. No, then- I agree. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, I I think that that happens, like, so, so often, is that, like, it it seems that it is much, it's much more common for an actor to essentially, like, play vulnerable when they're generally tough, and for that to be, like, the role that gets them the awards attention, and there is this sort of, like, weird metatextual aspect to, like, how they're Mm -hmm. perceived in the industry, and not just in that particular movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's a pattern that I think about often. Well, I think she, I mean, she has a a, a fascinating career, and obviously, I mean, she comes to notoriety, or or her, you know, Fast Times at Richmond High is sort of the moment when everybody takes notice of her, Um, and she's in a bunch of movies in the, in sort of the, the 80s and early 90s that don't make a ton of an impact. I mean, it's not that they're bad movies by any means. Like, I think she's good in Backdraft, but she's like probably 12th on the call sheet. Like, there's so many people in that film. Um, But I I think the unfortunate thing and this happens all the time in Hollywood, of course, but like, I think a lot of people probably know her as Noah Baumbach's ex-wife in a lot of ways too. Like there is that component, which is a bummer. Um, you know, she's in, she's in Margot at the Wedding. She's in Greenberg, which she also co-wrote and produced Greenberg as well. Um, and and I, I do good. think she's very good in it. Um, I, I thought that it's just, it is interesting and then, I mean, whatever you want to make of marriage story and how much that's about her and him. And I mean, there's that whole this, thing too. This is a question I have because I'm not looking at her Wikipedia right now or her IMDb. Has she done a lot of TV in the years since Hey Play? Yeah, yeah. Um, she did. She was in, she's apparently in the new season of Fargo, which is okay. interesting. Um, she did the, she did uh, 38 episodes of that atypical show for Netflix. About right. the, and she's um, a producer on it. So that feels like well. something that's like either close to her like, she was personally in, or yeah. Six episodes of Twin Peaks, The Return right, right, um, right. as well. So I just, yeah. this is the kind of performer who Hollywood ran out of roles for right around Hateful Eight and they all moved to television. Yeah. Yep. And it feels to me like Jennifer Jason Lee is not someone who's going to, and this is no shit on this show, which is a lot of people up, that's, who's not going to be like, yeah, I'll do a season on the morning show. You know, like <laughs> she'll, she'll do a season on, you know, 
Fargo, which is a show that has won awards and has some acclaim behind it. And like, but like, she's not going to come in and, you know, headline a criminal mind spinoff or something. And I think that that, you know, that puts her, um, famously, I mean, Hollywood is really good to women over 40. You know, that's a thing that we all know that women over 40 have an easy time in Hollywood, but sometimes they just don't. And maybe Jennifer Jason Lee is one of those folks. Yeah. I think she, she needs like a, yeah. the act type situation, you know, like I could she see her doing like a prestige limited type thing. Yeah. Like if yeah. anything. Well, I know that. Um, so when I worked at UTA, um, her and Noah were both repped there. I don't know if they still are anymore. Who knows? But I remember they had a, an HBO project. Um, and I believe they definitely wrote it. I don't know that it got shot. Um, that was <laughs> described to me as Margot at the wedding in space. And I was just like, <laughs> I want to see that. me the fuck up. All I want to see that. In. <laughs> so, I mean, but that was when they were still together and they were writing things together. And I guess they had this project that they're, I just, I, I, the, the idea of like, I guess mid midlife neuroses in space. I'm just like, sure. Sure. Noah Bombach has not made his space movie. It's It's gotta come. It's gotta come. No, 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 Bombach's going to make a movie about how he's sad that his dad went to space because all directors do. He's got to do it and it's got to happen. And he should reunite with Jennifer Jason Lee, even though they evidently hate each other to me. Noah Bombach is sad. His dad went to space. Um, space. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, yes, please go ahead. Yeah. I keep I keep this list of actors in my brain because you know Columbo is going to get rebooted someday even though it shouldn't I keep a list of actors in my brain who could or should play Columbo and I think I'm putting Jennifer Jason Lee on it I think she'd well, be a good that Columbo what poker face is isn't that what that, that is that's I know no. she's not unseating my leader who's Uzo Aduba I think Uzo Aduba oh, would make yeah, a sure. great Columbo right. but I feel like she's I feel like I could put her in the next tier yeah yeah. For sure. I, I think that she is, she's still great. Um, I think that I th- her range is, is pretty insane. That she can pull off a Hudsucker proxy and a single white female within two years is just sort of like pretty unbelievable. Uh, I, think she's, I think she's tremendous. You guys ever see The Anniversary Party? No. The movie that she, I believe she co-wrote and co-directed that with Alan Cumming, I want to say, Ooh. before I, before I put my foot in my mouth yes co-wrote co-directed co-produced with alan cumming and it stars phoebe cates her final film before she retired because they were friends from uh fast times (laughs) sorry i don't think jennifer jason lee is interrupted fred but um or was it we were just looking at it's either her or uh bridget fonda one of the two of them is in it uncredited that might be it might be bridget fonda uh, let me just uh, confirm that for uh, Thank people you listening. For the uh, while looking this up, it I'm... is Bridget Fonda. Wow. Please go ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say Rada Mitchell. I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, Rada Mitchell. Could have been. been. <laughs> um, so here I have thoughts. I have a question for the group. Stephen Weber, hot? No. 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 Listen, I'm going to say yes. I'm gonna say yes. respect respect he, he does he does have a distinctly like smarmy 90s like yes high roller vibe to him but that is so not my your vibe. taste so yes. he looks like discount ted dancing in cheers you know that's interesting i mean that's kind of what he's playing on wings I'm going to rank the Wings car- Wings actors by please, please do. Yeah, do it oh, just the guy just the guys just the guys tim daly interesting Thomas Hayden Church, Stephen Weber, 
No, 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 because guy who plays Roy is at the bottom. Okay, I don't want to marry Roy. Right, I don't marry right, Roy. I think Tony Shalhoub should be higher on this list. I, but that's just I feel like Thomas Hayden Church might be top for me. I feel like I'm torn on those first four. They could be in any order for me. I think they're all great. So your ranking is nonsense. <laughs> I well, here's the thing. Like I, you know, it's like you know, you get to the end of the year and you're like, my top ten films of the year. There's one I know I loved, and then the next nine, it's kind. It could yeah. change day to day. That's how I feel about my ranking of the Wings cast members, and if I think they're hot, you know, yeah. it's like it's like your ranking of Fincher movies, right? Like they just change yeah. on a daily basis. You know. <laughs> yeah. Except we always know Gone Girl's number one. So sure. You are so definitely valid. got, you have so a, a, an Amy, uh, an Amy Dunn vibe too, Emily. Um, <laughs> that is, I will say. That is the nicest thing you've ever said to me. When we were, when we were talking about carrying around a shoebox full of your past crimes, the mm-hmm. every time I see one of those, the only thing I can think of is the incredible Carrie Coon line reading from Gone Girl. That's, yeah. uh, it's like a little box of hate. <laughs> why do you um, keep that? It's like, like a why? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, please. Yeah. No, She's, no. I, mean, I was just oh. thinking about Carrie Coon, and now I'm just like, oh, hmm, Carrie Coon. You love, know, love her. I Listen. hey, um, Carrie Coon, Jennifer, Jason Lee team up like yes. limited series. Give it to me now. Whatever, Listen, whatever they want. They play the whatever Columbo sisters. It's yeah, gonna yeah. happen. This the reboot Columbos is getting better and better. The dollar sign. The Columbo's with the dollar sign. I so Stephen Weber. Carrie was- Coon is Mrs. Columbo. Jennifer Jason Lee is Columbo. This is great. I love this. I love this. Would watch. Would watch. So Stephen Weber was in an episode of Sleepy Hollow that I uh, that I wrote. Very nice guy. Um, he played Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> Actually, hell hol- yeah, <laughs> he played the hologram of Thomas Jefferson. My apologies. Let's fucking go. <laughs> it was. I mean, what a show, guys. Uh, but uh, he was lovely, and I gotta say, he's aging pretty well. I liked him on Emily. Obviously, you loved him on Studio Sixty. Yeah, I did. He's he's great. I love Stephen Weber. You know what? I think I think Stephen Weber just sort of in general hot. I don't know if he's hot in this movie, but you know what? He's, I'd sleep with him above Stephen Tobolowski in this film. Sure. So these he's, characters, yeah. He's yeah. naked too much. Like he's naked too much in this film, I would say. Just in terms of the fact that I mean, there's a lot of just nudity across the board. Yes. He straight up flashes the camera at one yeah. point, which is bold. Um, love to see it. You don't get a good movies, fashion. More, like I like more movies should show more flash of the hairstyle. Yeah, I, sure. I'm in like, it. come on. Yes, my there, there is, there is a lot of nudity in this movie yes. though, and I like they, it, they don't. I don't know if it's an asset that they like kind of don't prepare you for it. I guess it's better than being like, here's the strip tease, but like the like i saw i did not expect to see jennifer jason lee topless in this film let alone multiple times multiple times and it's it is what you just said which is um it's a lot it's it's i don't want to say that it's shocking necessarily but when it happens it's like people taking off their clothes real fast or pulling off the bed sheets to show and you're just like okay yeah. sure all right like it it definitely is surprising and um yeah i do think that it's like there's probably an aspect to it that like people paid for a sexy thriller we should at least give them sure. some sex in yeah. like before we get to the thriller but i think like kind of speaking to the earlier point of like this is what women do when they live together this 
the the casual intimacy that um Hetty and Allie share is not like the actual casual intimacy that you share with your female roommates like it is this weirdly kind of like <laughs> male gazified like this is what we do we try each other's perfume and we watch each other in the shower and again we just like willy-nilly change in front of each other like let me tell you intimacy with female roommates is everyone sitting around in like underwear and a sweatshirt four sizes too big on the couch when they haven't showered for three days like that's that's what you're getting so hot i I, i'll say this i do think that both times that ali sees hetty naked she diverts her eyes um which which i think is interesting speaks to sort of what we're talking about of her sort of not yeah Yeah. scared to see other women naked and 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 more than anything sort of it seems um intimidated or afraid of the fearlessness that Hattie has right like Hattie doesn't seem to care about exposing herself to basically anybody um and that's sort of hedonistic kind of what have you it's it's like queer paranoia turned inwards this movie is about like what happens when ostensibly straight people cannot grapple with the fact that sometimes they are attracted to people of the same gender as as i think we all fucking are i think that we all can appreciate an attractive human being on some level that sometimes is sexual sometimes is romantic you know that like you see and like Hollywood is built atop having us look at beautiful people and be like, don't you want to be them? Don't you want to have sex with them? And this movie is like about the inherent like queer paranoia in that idea. And also like, I feel like Steven Weber showed his dick because he's on wings at the time. And he's like, he wanted people who see wings and see single white female to be like, I mean, this is a pretty classic sitcom actor thing where you like go do a movie that's like got a bunch of material you can't do on your sitcom. But yeah, now I'm, you know, I'm not going to look at wings the same way. In fact, I'm bumping him up to second. I'm putting him over Thomas Hayden church. Wow. I think that, I mean, yes to everything Emily just said, but I also feel like it's, uh, it's it's grappling with. I mean, the Steven Weber component, I think, is true. What you're saying, Emily, and my guess is that uh, he was at the bottom of a long list of men. Can that I they just wanted say, and- my wife is furious at my wings rankings and can't. She's just like quietly fuming in the background. So the Justice end of the show, we're going to have to get her up here. Justice for Tony Shalhoub. I mean, she's not wrong. I mean, Steven Weber is fine in this film he's skeezy and gross um as he's he's supposed to be he's nothing special um i think he knows that like ali's probably better than he deserves if we're being honest and i think that like millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I guess I just was sort of, in terms of the arcing of this movie or the way that this sort of the plotting of this film lays out, um, I, I do feel like it's a little bumpy in terms of the relationship with Ali and Sam because very early on, we hear he cheats on her, right? And she doesn't want to live alone and she wants to have a roommate and this, that, and whatever, even though she's got this Graham guy who's who literally they could talk through the air vents to each other. That's, why fucking, isn't like, she, that's the biggest hang up I have. It's yeah. like, why can't, like, why is move she in with so Graham. scared of living alone? Like, are like, you, she's a software engineer. I know the idea is that, like, she's a burgeoning software engineer. She needs the client. She doesn't quite have the money, but I'm like, what does sure. this guy who lives above you do? Right. Like, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. No, he's an actor. He well, sleeps right. in his bathtub yeah. with his cat. He's not sleeping. He, he was does. knocked unconscious. And no, I know he was knocked unconscious. <laughs> I just like to imagine that, that he does actually sleep there. Okay, and, like, and, like Will Smith like, and I'm I am legend. Yeah. 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 His yeah. dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's yeah. it's a little strange that she can't handle living alone at her age. All that being said, so Sam is kind age. of taken. He's taken off the board so that Hattie can move in. That's all fine and good, but I would argue that it gets kind of wobbly when he's brought back into the equation to create jealousy because it, it doesn't, it doesn't totally jive that you would believe that she would take him back. Really? She kicked him out that quick. Again, that no, yeah. no, no hate to, to Steven Weber. Again, I yeah. think it's like, it's sort of like the Bridget Fonda thing that we were talking about earlier, but like, what is he bringing to the table? Nothing. You just need someone so much hotter, I think, and so to like buy into that. So much more charm. Like yes. when the idea is that Hetty finds or that Hetty has hid this like letter that yeah. Sam sent. And like we get to see the text of the letter, and I was like, girl, no. Hey, babe, like, sorry. Hey, babe, I'm sorry I'm in so, all caps. So sorry, I hurt you. Like, yeah. I really could take, I could take one scene of Allie crying over Sam where I was like okay I get it this was traumatic whatever but like the fact that she doesn't even really get a chance to not be hung up on him because like before she can really sort properly if like getting re-engaged is a good idea he fucking dies and then she's all hung up on the fact that she doesn't have him in her life anymore and it just it feels yeah. like it really does feel like intentional or not that he is equally kind of like dragging her down the way that Hetty is kind of like attempting. No, for sure. I just, I, I ultimately think that him cheating on her is just the wrong instinct to start the film with. Like there's, there are a whole bunch of ways of taking Sam off the board in ways that can create an opportunity for a roommate. If it's that he's going to work in Europe for six months or whatever yeah. the case might be, you know, whatever it is that allows an opportunity to have a roommate and to feel like she's being abandoned and all that kind of stuff and not have this cheating thing. That being said, the fact that he is a cheater when Hetty, I guess, sort of Gives forcibly him blows him. Boo. Um, <laughs> I sort of was like, yeah, this guy's a scumbag. Like, I mean, it's, it's, terrible. It's, it's, it's terrible. What he realizes it's her halfway through yes. and doesn't stop and doesn't then stop. tries to blame her. Did you read? So I read the Wikipedia summary on this because I wanted to like yeah. just refresh. On the sure. Wikipedia summary, it's like he says no, but like she keeps going. Yeah. He does not In say no. He does not say no at any point. He does not say no. No. I I did interpret this scene as him being 
really fucking disturbed and like kind of freezing up in the midst of a sexual kind assault. Of I have oh, some, yeah. I have I like, I have sympathy for him in, in that scene in terms of, definitely. I think if you are suddenly in a situation where a woman who looks exactly like your fiance, when her head is down is, is like performing oral sex on you. And she looks up and says, I'm not your fiance. And you realize you're being raped. Like yeah, I do terrifying. get your brain freezing up in yes. that fucking moment. Yes. I don't know if that's sure. the level of emotional nuance this film possesses. It's like my <laughs> own. Yeah. That, um, no, that's that really the, yeah. the, the clincher. Like, <laughs> I, so I, I want to just uh, rewind for just one very quick second about the nudity thing. Cause there's something that I wanted to, to highlight that I, that I think is interesting. Um, Hetty in the bath, uh, topless, obviously, she's in a bath. Um, most movies, it's a bubble bath or it's some weird milky water that you can't see any, any body parts through. I appreciated how open it was when it came to Hetty. I don't necessarily know, I can't really speak to a lot of this other stuff, but I just felt like that was refreshing to some degree and, and something that we have way regressed and and don't really do anymore uh and I, I mean not to go down some rabbit hole but i do think that there is a very deep sexlessness that seems to exist right now yeah. um and i think that that's also creating all sorts of body dysmorphia and all sorts of like you know not loving yourself and not being able to appreciate your own body and all that kind of stuff that this was a pretty healthy I put that in quotation marks, pretty healthy depiction of, of, of that sort of stuff. I mean, the shirtlessness and nudity that we get now is by people who look like Greek gods. And so like, yeah. if that's the only nudity that you're seeing on your like big screen, yeah. it's going to inherently play into like a deep seated, like insecurity within yourself. Like whether that be like male, female, non-binary, whatever it may be, Yes, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's the title of that that column I keep returning to. Everybody's yeah. beautiful and nobody's yeah, horny. Funny. Like, yeah, it, yeah. There's there's just no comfort level with yeah. the human body in these. That, it's the comfort. I think it's the comfort because, like, I do understand. I understand kind of like the desire, especially for like female actresses, to want to protect maybe like the actual yeah. nudity aspect yeah. more. Yeah. Um. I won't invoke the oscar song that we all remember very clearly Seth mcfarland's sure. really a uh, tender and nuanced song i would say right yeah, yeah but like uh i think like i don't know titanic is on my mind since the the retrospective like mm, re-release is sure. coming up but like it's just it there is this kind of like idea that when you put your body in a, like when you put your nude body on screen it no longer belongs to you in a certain way like it yeah. is the people's to pick apart and yeah. like use for their own yeah. but like it's the it 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 is so frustrating that like alongside and maybe like scaling back on that or just being more intentional about like when you're doing that there's also the complete removal of like eroticism yeah. like yes. nudity and eroticism don't have to be linked or right. like inher- inherently like you well, can yeah. Well, that's it's interesting you bring up Titanic because I just watched it relatively recently with my roommate. And when that scene came on, I turned to her and I was like, it's kind of incredible that he got away with topless Kate Winslet in the scene when she's drawn. And I and I say get away with just in terms of getting a PG 13 rating right. and not getting I an mean, R rating. I don't and know the, how that, I, like, well, I actually don't know how to The reason it was exactly what you just down said. down the doors to the MPAA. He said, you're well, fucking it, giving me It wasn't that. It was, it was actually what you just said, Brooke, which is he's like, this is not sexual. 
Like yeah, this yeah. is this is just this is a, a beautiful human body, and he's drawing it, and we should not be afraid to show that to fucking teenagers. Like that's not a bad thing, and that he got away with that. Like that he actually was able to do that is pretty incredible and and healthy. Didn't he like find a clause in the MPAA things that, that was like artistic nudity Correct. you can get artistic a PG nudity. for? Yeah. So he was like, this is artistic nudity. The artist is me, James Cameron. Okay, I'm drawing, drawing her naked. I am drawing <laughs> Kate Winslet. But then, you know, here's the problem is that he's like, we shouldn't be afraid to show this to teens. And then a huge subsection of teens in America were like, oh my yeah. God. I, I, I agree. But <laughs> counter to that for my own experience, I think the most erotic, sexiest thing in that movie is a single hand like i am more turned on by a hand in that movie than i am by like a naked body because i think it is as you're saying it's about the portrayal of the body versus like the actual eroticism that you can get to your your point the actual sex scene in titanic is quite chaste you really don't you don't see anything it's all close-ups essentially uh and it's 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 foggy and a hand smacking against a window but you know anyway yeah what why are we missing like what happened to this like desire to make people like get a little excited yeah. watching and, a movie and like yeah. there is a fear of intimacy across the board in our yeah. films i think there is a fear of friendship intimacy i think there's mm-hmm. a fear of fear of sure. uh, intimacy between like parents and children between siblings we just are stuck in this era of all these movies that feel like they are not happening to real people. And like, obviously there are still movies being made that are about real people where things are, you know, I'm not just talking about, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that there are no movies like that. Obviously tar, the most erotic movie of all time exists, but like um, the, the, it is this just, it feels like, I mean, obviously America is a puritanical culture. We come from this world where like sex is kind of like scapegoated and demonized and like barely talked about. Then there's this wild overcorrection where it's like sex is around all the time, but it's only framed through the lens of straight men who are staring at the naked bodies of women. If there's a penis, it feels like it got on screen accidentally. Mm -hmm. And if there is a female body that is not super attractive, we look away from it right away. Mm -hmm. And now we've gone back in the other direction where it's kind of the worst of both worlds, where it's like, we're, we're pretending to celebrate sexuality and gender and these differences in the human body and people who don't necessarily have the most beautiful body ever, but we're doing it in such a way that suggests that anything sexual, erotic, romantic interesting about those bodies is like kind of messy and icky and wrong and we shouldn't have to think about it Mm -hmm. or you know we should be thinking about we should only be portraying it through this kind of like very beautiful like Mm -hmm. glossy lens i we don't need to go too deep into it but like nothing has like made my blood boil like the the recent trend of kind of like men using prosthetic penises to to do this kind of like full frontal nudity thing and that it's like this sort of like once again you know I think that everyone should do exactly what they're comfortable with but this idea that like you can like you can protect yourself in that way when like there is no world in which like any actress would be like (laughs) given that option like I think also really back into you know, body image. I think it like is a image. full yeah. circle around because every single time that the prosthetic is being used, it's purposefully to like enhance yeah. the size, I would say, on screen to like sometimes like what you know, whatever. And like however you interpret like your audience, like whether to be like thirsting after 
or like internalizing. It's this whole like cyclical. Well, I mean, loop it should that not surprise in. anyone that men <laughs> want what? to make their dicks look bigger on film. What? But <laughs> so, like, I mean, and in Boogie Nights, a, that was real. It, it, but it's it's yeah. this it's this very interesting. I think when you draw back to the everyone is beautiful and no one is horny yes, argument, yes, where yes. it's like. Well, if I can, you know, take that to the extreme and be like, okay, I'm going to be nude on screen, but I'm going to be nude, like, you know, basically on my terms, that's all well and good. But like, if you're not going to be able to do it across the board, then don't pretend that like, this is a step in like the, towards eroticism, like towards this, this comfort. Yeah. I I think that there's just, there's so much stuff around it now. I mean, you have intimacy coordinators, understandably. We want to make sure that everybody's comfortable doing what they're doing on film. Like, I, huge, I completely get huge. that. You're yeah. in front of hundreds of fucking key grips. And I mean, like, yeah, you don't, it's, it's, it sucks. I totally get yeah. it um, for both genders. So everyone should be comfortable doing what they want to do. That, that, that goes without saying. That being said, I do feel like, like earlier today, I was watching an episode of Yellowstone and trying to watch Yellowstone for reasons that I can't really explain. Listen, yeah. Phil, let's talk Yellowstone. Let's have a Yellowstone no, 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 corner no, no. right I'm not now. Opening, I'm not opening a Pandora's box on Yellowstone, but there's an episode where two people have sex and, you know, classic, she's wearing a bra while under the sheets. And I'm just like, no one wears a bra under these circumstances. Uh, it takes you out of the scene. It just feels silly. I thought I thought about this with Top Gun Maverick, which has mm-hmm. a sex scene mm. to its fucking credit, because so yeah. many of these movies don't, but it is a very sexless sex scene. And you have yes. two beautiful people in it, but it is very much shot like they are, you know, having a clandestine encounter at yes. the changing room at an Abercrombie. Yes. Like it, it's just, you know. Yeah. It's almost it's, like a teenager scene. Like when yeah. hit, like I love I think that's what's so funny is like when he escapes out the window, it's played like he's a teen and it's like okay well this is like the most chaste like oh my god i'm kissing a girl ever and i think it's also i think it's fascinating with those two people as well because jennifer conley obviously is like so hyper sexualized throughout her career and tom cruise now is at the point where no one wants to see him sexualized so it's like a weird push and pull that you get within that scene as well like i was watching i was watching top gun maverick the other day uh re-watching it and like the beach scene Mm-hmm. He is shot basically chest up. You see very few wide shots of him. You see plenty of wide shots of every other beautiful Adonis body out there. Yes. But for him, and it's not that he has, I mean, listen, the guy still has a good body, for, but he still, he kind of looks a little saggy, a little bit like a sausage his, casing thing going on. His it's muscles just, are in muscles places. Muscles have never been in some spots that Tom Cruise has muscles. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But that's, um, yeah. that shouldn't be something that we lean away from. It should right. be something that I, we lean into. Yes. Just to, I, I feel like, uh, yeah. You know, um, in kind of like the trend of sex in recent movies, uh, I think that we both had issues with X. Mm, oh my god! Reason and I that it's X. like I saw Pearl, but I didn't see X. Not to, to spoil it too much, but like there is definitely a a large idea of that movie is like old people having sex is gross yeah. and oh. like weird and like we shouldn't how like. Ew. there's 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 you know there's elements of it where they're like they hate the porn industry because like maybe they're afraid of their own intimacy but there's fully like a, a sex scene with two old people and like it's played as like 
oh my I'm god i can't believe this is happening I'm right gonna, now i'm gonna i'm gonna change this into x corner now because i think i think i disagree with this which mm, is I okay, think the, okay. the intentional oh, casting no. i'm not a huge fan of x i think pearl's a much better movie but i, would agree. I yeah. think the intentional casting of mia goth in both of those roles is saying oh you think this is gross like it is a fake out on the audience because mm. it's saying to the audience you are going to be this age someday and you're going to be horny sometimes and you're going to want to sleep with your partner and the rest society is going to brand that as gross i think the film is aware of that whether you know the depiction of it as gross works for you or not like i had that reaction in the moment and then as i left the theater i was like oh shit like they were they were kind of pulling a fast one on me because the you the because of the double casting. casting no i think that that's a really good point i think that's a yeah. really really good point I, I think that i mean all this is just to say that you know, whether or not this movie is a little male gazy in terms of just a director liking to see naked women. At um, least it's erotic. At least it's know? erotic. And at least like there's first of all, there are several sex scenes in this movie. Yes. Um, some of which seem less likely than others or less comfortable than others, but it, it just is what it is. I, I think that they do a really good job of uh, not shying away from this stuff. And a few years later, it will be eradicated. I mean, it really is sort of the, the, the 90s, and I would even argue probably mid-90s is when they just hit the brakes hard on this stuff. The Esther has stuff, blows up in their face. Jade is really expensive. It makes no money. Showgirls is this disaster, um, despite Perfect being obviously movie, a though. brilliant movie, a wonderful yes. movie. Yes. But like all the, uh, it, they think that they've got like this cottage industry in this type of stuff. And then they realize that, uh, and I don't know if that's the proliferation of just pornography being easier to get your hands on, whatever the case might be, but slowly but surely it just disappears from from radars. Yeah. It's also a political, it's also the yes. political climate of the time like 1994 is the rise of the religious right we are right on the cusp of that and the the two versions of this podcast live on either side of that divide and it's really remarkable how different these the approaches to sex are absolutely i mean just looking at this year 92 versus 99 it's obviously a difference of about six or seven years but like feels like a completely different time. I mean, cool. truly yeah. does. And that's not even to say, I mean, obviously we did 99 for many years and there's lots of really interesting, provocative things that are happening in 99 that pushes the ball forward in a little bit. But to your point, Emily, you look at this list of movies that we have this year and these movies are hits. I mean, Hand That Rocks a Cradle, Basic Instinct, This these movies are all fucking huge hits. I mean, Basic Instinct, I don't know if you guys know how much money Basic yes. Instinct made, oh, but it's just like for our listeners, it is a shocking amount of money. It is $352 million in 1992. That's almost a billion dollars. I mean, 750, 800. Here's like, what the, f- that's fucking nuts. That is nuts. Um, so you, you can understand why they would look at this and say like, there's a real people want this shit. But um, so to jump through the plot just a little bit, because I feel like there's some stuff that we haven't hit on yet, but um, I do want to talk about how this movie is dated and not dated a little bit, which I think mm-hmm. is interesting. It's dated, obviously, our software and is phenomenal. Um, but the computers and the software, the technology in this movie is, you know, 1992. Um, but stylistically, I think it's a really stylish looking movie. It's really well shot. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it was shot by... Um, okay, uh, it was not who I thought it was shot by. But it's it is it's really beautifully shot i think that it has a really great style to it even though it feels like 
everyone just sleeps on mattresses that are on the ground um, with no like pillows and stylized. <laughs> like I'm quote unquote broke and I live in yeah. New York because they have this absolutely stunning, like I would, I would maybe consider killing someone to <laughs> live in this apartment. Like it is yes. beautiful, but it's this classic Huge. thing where it's like, oh, our clawfoot tub doesn't really work and none of us have bed frames, but yeah. they're living in probably like a, <laughs> a multi-million dollar like, apartment. Yes. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's like, it's yeah, it's house. like, it's huge. The kitchen faucet doesn't work. And that's like the yeah. worst thing you could say about this apartment. Meanwhile, it is gargantuan. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like bohemian in the yes. way that they've kind of made it. So it seems like it's kind of squalory. But yeah. like, come on, it's it's a staggering, beautiful apartment. It's gorgeous. The ceilings, um, I would, I oh would commit crimes for them. And that ceilings. shower the circular shower yes. that she has, which I think is, ra- I don't know. Did you like this apartment, Emily? Loved it. Like, <laughs> I I mean, I love this artifact of the time when people yeah. like were still like, well, Manhattan, New York City, it's crime ridden, so you shouldn't move there. And there's like all these like young people moving in and ter- making it more and more expensive. And now, of course, nobody can live anywhere in New York except maybe the Bronx or Staten Island. Well, let's all move to Staten Island. That sounds like a fun like like Love that'll it. be like a fun season, you know, yeah. when we, our ratings start to dip. Yeah. The four of us are going to move to Staten Island, get a place together, yeah. and it's going to be haunted. We're going to have I a ghost this. friend. Yeah. Uh, and the, our, our congressperson. Yeah, uh, yeah, all, and yeah. the 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 ghost friend is going to be uh, former President Theodore Roosevelt. He'll be yeah. the fifth yeah. fifth member of this little. <laughs> <lost. laughs> anyway, that was the tangent. Um, but uh, I I like the you know it's a beautiful apartment, beautiful beautiful I mean, time to be alive. Nineteen ninety two. It's also just like again not to not to believe the point, but the production design of this, the yeah. elevator is really great. All the shots great that they elevator. get in the elevator is fantastic. Fantastic! All these like weird kind of canted angles and what have you. Lots of great stuff. Even when they go to the basement, the incinerator that just you could just put that things just in the incinerator. Going, always <laughs> it just I, burns constantly. No, but this is this is like it's sort of like with the. I don't know the lessening of these these types of sub genres when you watch something that is solidly designed for dare I say a four quadrant audience um you you are reminded of like the intentionality that can be put into these very commercial movies Uh, I think there's some letterbox review that it basically the summation is everything in this movie is a Chekhov's gun like it's basically every single thing that yes every single thing that is introduced whether it's the screwdriver in the elevator whether screwdriver announcement you're like well someone's getting stabbed with that screwdriver but I love it like it really does feel like yeah give us give me some juice like give me some tangibility that like I can track through the movie I Uh, also think that you know and this is something Emily that I imagine we'll see a fair amount as we're watching these films but like real lack of product placement um you know what I mean this this movie could have been considering the, the the age demo that they're in could have if it was made today would have a million things that people would aspire to have various sort of either clothes or technology or whatever the case might be what I liked about this is it felt lived in. There also just wasn't a tremendous amount of technology back in the day, and that's all fine and good. But still, like, that computer, I don't know what the fuck that computer was, but it was not a computer company I had ever heard of or seen before. Uh, I just, I really appreciated that about this, that, like, I don't even think they talk about brand names, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. I think the only the only thing I noticed was she has a Zabar's bag at one point. Um filled with I'm assuming, yeah. I'm assuming smoked salmon and bagels. But uh, point is that, like, 
again, kind of refreshing to not find myself feeling bombarded with things that yeah, I should or shouldn't be doing. I didn't notice like you yeah. didn't notice like all the promotion for Stephen Tobolowski's company Tobotech. Tobotech. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I can't wait for your TV reboot of, of you get Tobotech. 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 Um, I'm trying to think about that uh, Sydney Sweeney movie. The Voyeurs. Yeah. Yes. like because I feel like that probably has like promotion of the Wazoo with like cameras and like Max and like I, probably. I don't remember, but I, I imagine. So yeah. the only time I really notice it is the Sony products because like oh, it's the yes. best. It, it's so it's funny. Sure, sure, sure. but I, yeah go ahead oh I, this is this is completely kind of like not about product placement but when you were talking about product placement I was like I guess the modern day version of a direct a direct remake of this like sans the roommate which already exists is like an airbnb thriller like I feel like Good watch like it's barbarian yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's it's I think the new version of newspaper yeah. like roommate or is in the paper is something along the lines of yeah. Yeah. I also Barbarian and this movie have a lot in common honestly yeah. now that I, I think do about think it. it's <laughs> funny you bring that up Spooky uh, out of nowhere <laughs> yep <laughs> it's funny you bring that up Brooke because there's the moment when she's typing up the advertisement right and as she's typing it I'm like oh did they have like was there some sort of a thing uh that she like a chat group or a thing nope she nope. wasn't sending it to oh, the, the newspaper, newspaper. <laughs> To go the, in the newspaper. Aside from the 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 Bob the Jennifer Jason Lee with the Bob moment, the funniest moment in this movie to me is like G Chat nine one one. That's what I was hoping you were going to say. It, that incredible. I, it kills me because they the same thing happens in Scream ninety six yes. where yes, she's like, yes. "Let me type on the computer for help." <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything because this movie just came out, but mm. everyone here should watch Sick twenty twenty three because it's good. It? It's actually shockingly good, but Kevin Williamson sure does like going back to some things. That's all I'll say. It's on Peacock, right? Is it streaming on Peacock? Streaming on the cock. All right. Let's not ever use that. Oh, that's exclusively what Jordan called it. That's the cock is what you call it? That's happening now. Brian Brian Fuller started doing it, and now it is all everywhere. I mean, it might be the best thing to happen to Peacock, if we're being completely honest. If people started actually talking about it, that'd be great for them. Uh, but I, but I did, I did like the fact that this movie felt, you know, oddly timeless, kind yes. of like it didn't feel like it had to take place in 1992. Um, the haircuts so, uh, gave it away. The haircuts, for sure. The clothes, obviously. Um, there's there are a couple shots in it that I think are hilarious. One of my favorites is the reflection of them in the stainless steel platter. Yes, which is just so ridiculous like she's just shining it and then <laughs> it's just fucking perfect uh it's this movie it's loves hard. a mirror loves like, a mirror you want to see some doubling we'll give you some doubling you're like okay. i mean literally the last moment with jennifer chin lee is, the, is a mirror yes I'm right like, that's the fucking barbette schroeder touch he just finds <laughs> those subtle themes he kind of pulls them out through subtle visuals and later yeah. you look back yes. and you're like oh the mirror oh. was like doubling um <laughs> speaking of subtlety the moment that i laughed out loud at and and also really loved is um when she uh hetty gives Allie the earrings and she tries them on in the mirror and then and then hetty sniffs her like three times yes yes she literally like if someone sniffed me once and i saw them in the reflection of the mirror do that i'd be like that's suspicious three times unfortunately my brain is broken and i could only think about hannibal in that moment but 
I did think it was quite hilarious. It's tremendous. It's, um, it's, it's really, it is really the Barbette Shredder touch, the mirror that sells it in that specific moment. Because you're like, girl, girl, yeah. open your eyes. What and then you what's doing? also great is she turns around and realizes how close Hetty is to her and goes, oh, sorry. And you're like, what are you apologizing for? She's on top of you smelling your hair. Oh, fantastic. I bet you uh, it's a, probably a really good shampoo, though. Like, we got to find out what it oh, is. Yeah. What does that yeah, hair sure. smell like? Come what on. does that wig smell like? Yeah. I was, I was like, I was like going to call issue with this because my baby smells my hair all the time. But like, mm. my baby's a fucking weirdo. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that Hetty's plan, the puppy play, very risky, really could have blown up in your Too face and ultimately risky. does, but Should like, very risky. Like, should have done a cat. Should have done. Right for the puppy. But I think the puppy right is like puppy. Puppy's like leaning into the like classic like Americana. Like she is no, like sure. it's the it's it's also like a, a lab. You know what I mean? It's like it's the most down the middle. Like yeah. this is like a classic dog to adopt. Also, it's like their child. You know, it's really trying to be like, look, I can be the Sam to your Allie. You know, but like, like the he way is gone. Allie, I can fill you totally. And the way Allie responds, reacts to the dog. Yeah. I would have been like, oh shit, shouldn't have got the dog. And right. then like, you just happen to hope that the puppy crying at night will somehow lure Allie into loving right. it. I don't know. It's just a stretch. I mean, it's, it's, this is really not what the movie's thinking about, but it's sort of like this example of, you know, the ways in which corporate capitalist America has like co-opted queerness by being like, look, queer people, you can pair off the monogamous couples and move to the suburbs and like get this nice apartment and have a dog and it will, you know, you will have a family and then you can buy things. It is like, it is sort of like, um, Hetty is trying to accomplish that goal of being like, we can be happy as a couple in the ways you're used to, yeah. you know, we just uh, got to adjust a little bit. And yes. I think, I think that's interesting. Yeah. I do. T- I, 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 to be honest, I don't have a problem with the puppy. I'm just more about like, that's risky. Hetty. Well, like this really anti-dog. Could have been- you're anti-dog. I am not anti-dog. This. You cheered when the puppy cheered. fell out the window. I cheered. Yeah. It's fucked up, Phil. You stood up and you applauded. It was weird. When you it saw weird. it was just when you saw it was just a model, you were like, well, that's a waste. <laughs> yeah. Could have been a real dog. <laughs> Cowards. Um, so I, I do think that uh <laughs> I do <So> think despicable. <laughs> um Okay, so I want to talk for a second about, uh, so as we mentioned, Hetty gets her hair cut exactly like Allie at this point. Uh, Allie admittedly sees this as a, a red flag, but, you know, not something that's worthy of, you know, kicking her out of her apartment, um, but just, you know. So uh, uh, then Allie follows Hetty to some, like, underground nightclub. Mm-hmm. We got what is this nightclub i completely completely have forgotten about it up until the moment that you just said that i was like wait oh how could i forget about this first of all you think it's going to be important to the plot and it's not it's It's not look at the kind of look at the kind of weird shit she's into you know it's like it's like the club from the fucking matrix you know like yeah yeah Yeah, all the the scene like really needs to establish plot wise is that Hetty is calling herself Allie yes. in other situations. Okay. Like I don't understand oh, if the like light kind of like so sexual queer uh, like potentially BDSM kinky side to this club yeah, like is, swingers or something right. like there's yeah 
I'm so confused about like whether it's meant to be a commentary on Hetty as a person, whether it's meant to just be like, oh my God, the underbelly of American society. Like it's, it's, I it's, love it so much. I don't get it. It's giving the basic instinct club, but you lack the Michael Douglas V neck. You know, that's all you needed. <laughs> sure. And the, and you know, oh, and you a know, some extras. relevancy, yes. some relevancy, like the, the cages, the, or the jail the, things. The moment of the woman approaching Allie and being like, do you want to play? And Allie being like, no, thank you. And just backing away. Like I, listen, I guess if I'm being very generous, I'm like, oh, this is furthering this, this subplot of her, you know, rejecting yeah. advances from women and like being afraid of herself. But again, I don't it's know ridiculous. that the movie really has that on its mind. No. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It's I, I. She should have followed her to like a queer book club where they were all reading the first collection of Dykes to watch out for, and just been like, you know. And then she would be like, "Hey, do you want to read this groundbreaking lesbian comic?" And she'd be like, "No, thank you." <laughs> I mean, it should also be said too, and I know that this is something that happens in movies all the fucking time, but like. She was following her way too closely. So, like, there's this moment when, like, Hetty goes into the bar and goes past a bouncer. If I then saw an identical woman, I'd be like, what's going on? It's very strange. But the club's amazing. Yeah. It's great. I loved it. It I just, like, the, 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 the idea that you could essentially achieve via, like, you could achieve the same scene by going to a coffee shop and, like, hearing Helly give her name oh, as Allie. Allie? Oh, okay. like, your order's ready? Oh, okay. It's just, it feels, I love it. It's baffling. Yeah. I want to have a frisson of something dangerous. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah, like, they just go to the most stereotypical dangerous thing they can think of, which is so boring. Yes. And I would, you know, if this is in the script, I would not be surprised if it's presented with certain archness, but like on, on camera, it's just thudding. It's just very much like, oh my God, this this is the scariest place imaginable. If you're here, you've really gone off the deep end. It it reads like, um, and have we all seen Babylon on here? Yes. No, I haven't. I'm taking my baby on Tuesday. (laughs) What was that? I'm taking my baby on Tuesday. Oh, that's good good luck perfect first movie uh, we took we we took them to um to avatar uh okay, okay. which which they they sat through and had a great time at and like they they had one bottle and um had one diaper changed and nice. my understanding is that babylon will inspire far more diaper changes so yes. um yes i would say bring up diaper babylon. changes in babylon on screen <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say this and this gives nothing away really but there's a sequence uh near the end of the film where there's sort of this like quote-unquote descent into hell that i think this club was supposed to feel like yes. is kind of what i'm getting at yes. um but all that being said uh I, I, I love the air vents and how helpful they are for moving the plot forward. I think it's it's just, you could never do that today. The, the first note you would get. When he's like, oh, by the way, I can hear, I hear you, you fuck. fuck. <laughs> and it's like in the most inopportune moment. And he's like, but don't worry, I like it. Like, <laughs> I'm worrying. It's so uncomfortable. And she's really, this is again, Allie clearly has some some hangups with sex, it seems, to some degree. Yeah. So, like, she was very embarrassed by him saying that he could hear her. But then she immediately goes up and starts sealing off the vent in her bedroom. Whatever. Um, I want to talk very briefly. Uh, we've talked about the stiletto heel death. Um, it's fantastic. But what I think might be the cherry on the top of the scene for me is 
as he lays dead on the ground, she like pokes his head with her foot and says, hey, hey, it's like he's dead. There is a six inch stiletto in his brain. Like, what do you think is. But anyway, I go back. Is that supposed to be like her first kill of a human? Yes. I kind of feel like it is. I I think she's like, yeah. Yes, that would make sense. It's a crime of passion. I mean, the, the passion is anger in this case but But this is also you bring up a very good point emily and i think it's one that's worth examining for a second here she attacks graham right with with this ancient lock device that i've never seen on a door before which is like some sort of a pipe that that locks the door or whatever shit fucking rules it's it's awesome but i'm just like where anyway so it looks like a fire poker almost so she tears that off the door and beats him with it right so are we led to believe that he's been unconscious for what I can only assume is days in that yes. bathtub? Yes. <laughs> That's for sure the interpret. I was like, I thought about Crazy. this when he came back to life. I was like, okay, one, he's alive. <laughs> Two, what is our timeline here? Yeah. Is it a day? Like, it, how long? Even if it's a day, if you're unconscious for more than 20 minutes to a half an hour after being beaten, like your you're brain dead. Functioning your brain's fucked. dead. Yeah. yeah. So- I don't want to, but yeah, that definitely, that definitely, uh, um, I also wrote this note just when you thought that Cameron Diaz and Vanilla Sky was the first one to speak coming in her mouth, Hetty said, hold my beer, which I think mm. is fantastic. Uh, she's great. great. Um, Allie kissing Hetty to stop her from slitting her throat. Uh, what's going on there? Like what, what is going on there? Because, and by the way, Allie, like if you're going to like play the super quick Stockholm syndrome card, you need to keep it up for longer than five minutes. <laughs> not even five minutes. It's like, not minutes. even. The minute yeah. she leaves the room, 911. 911, help me. I like, I am kind of a sucker for like the I'm going to pretend that everything is fine and, and dandy while I wait for my opportunity. But like, this girl is just, she's not thinking with her brain. She's not thinking with her she's brain. She's not thinking with uh, it, It's, listen, it's effective. It, it effectively gets her out of this situation. Um, I love that she's using like a bagel knife. It's like yeah. one of those like weirdly serrated. serrated. Yeah. <laughs> just, she like has the pokes on her neck. Yes. yes. Yeah. Which is a like, great attention to detail, I guess. But I'm just like, what's happening? Um, I loved all of that. Um, okay. What was the moment where Hetty in the basement gets inside a suitcase? I believe <laughs> the like, I believe the idea is that she's gonna keep alley yes found and yes. gagged and yes. fucking drag her across country. and ship her yes it's, well, the, no i think the idea is that like she does not want to kill her like yes. this is pivotal that she doesn't want to kill her i i was imagining like toy story 2 like she brings out like, as a carry-on you know what i mean checks it in there we go she just climbs out inside the bowels yes. of the of the airport yes. yeah prospector I mean- pete is there <laughs> i'm sorry sorry. i mean it's just it's one of those moments where for you just you just didn't need it like you could have cut that beat entirely from it or she goes down she grabs a suitcase she comes back up right like fine but she looks at one suitcase and is like nah i'm not gonna be able to fit in that one that opens up the other one and actually crawls inside it i'm just like what are you doing hetty i love that there is a very like nice delightfully unhinged element to this movie that i feel like you just don't get nowadays unless for sure it's done with a much more knowing eye to it like there is these just moments Uh, where where you're like oh 
it's this so movie great. this movie should have ended with with hetty in a steamer trunk on a train tapping in morse code to a small swedish boy she picked up somewhere along the way about like how she needs blood that'd be perfect that would have been great yes. i mean i, I would if this, movie, if this movie had a post credit scene where she unzips the suitcase and crawls out and then smashed to black i would have been like yes great <laughs> Hedy's coming back female to Hedy's return because what happens in the very end of this film i have to be honest with you i wasn't really a huge fan of there's just it's yeah. it's hats on hats on hats that she like tries to convince her to commit suicide by drug overdose she puts a gun to her head she makes her write a suicide note uh then she says i'm not your sister hetty not anymore they, they get into this whole like tussle Allie drags hetty to the elevator she strangles her to unconsciousness or fakes unconsciousness because then she somehow gets up into the fucking ventilation shaft how she gets up there is anyone's guess um and she hides from her from hetty long enough that she's able to like fucking batman swings into frame to stab her in the back swing into frame is incredible i can't i can't believe we've done we've recorded three episodes now I can't believe that two of them have featured someone swinging down from the ceiling to kick a person <laughs> in the head. Because Under Siege also Under Siege has is- And by the way, to Bridget Fonda's credit, she's far more impressive swinging into frame than, than fucking Steven Seagal is. But it's just, it's also like, it's not a good death is my, is my biggest it's kind boring. of bummer about it. Yeah. Like, if you're going to kill her, killer right like go for it make it bloody make it crazy don't stab her in the back twice with a screwdriver she probably wouldn't even die from that yeah and it it really gets so muddy hetty's motive gets so muddy and i really do think it's to the detriment of her character and the movie in general because then you have uh ali's sort of like sappy final voiceover oh my god that is brutal it's brutal and so it's like why why like it, it kind of takes something interesting that you had with Hetty's motives and really smashes it all together in like a blend yep. of crazy town and being like she'll just do whatever she'll say she wants to kill you and then she doesn't she'll try to make you commit right. suicide and then drag you to like bring you in a suitcase somewhere like it, it totally like loses the plot yeah. so to speak yes I think I think the the whole last 10 minutes of this movie is another place where the subtext is serving up a campy queerness that the text just cannot handle like barbette schroeder is just like this is the fundamental tragedy of female friendship don't you think (laughs) and don ruse is like i think lesbians like to kill each other that's funny right yep (laughs) i agree like there's a part of me that that thinks it's a it's as it's basically what you just said emily it's a tonal issue right which is Mm -hmm. that if this if the last 10, 15 minutes of this film was just going for camp, going for craziness yes. and going for silliness, um, I mean, maybe not silliness, but you understand what I mean. I think that that it would have worked. But unfortunately, what we're left with is it's not a cool ending in the sense of like, it's not a really great kill it's at the end. It's not yeah. badass and cool. It, it's kind of illogical. You don't really understand the logistics or the geography of how things are playing out. So you're just sort of like, why is it playing out like this? Yeah. It also, and maybe, maybe my biggest bummer is it feels rushed. Like yeah. the movie actually is kind of well-paced up until this point. And you're just sort of like, so much is coming at you. You've got like Mitchell showing up and for putting a pillow over his head and shooting him in the face. You've got like all these things that are just kind of coming at you in the last 20 minutes of this movie that just sort of feels like, as Emily just said, that 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 
Shorter didn't really get the tone, so they were kind of just like gunning it and had their foot on the on the gas till the end. It's it's interesting that we sort of invoked Gone Girl earlier because that is a movie that is a movie that is an example of a thing that usually kills movies, which is the screenwriter, the director, and both of the major stars in that movie are all making four different movies, but somehow those four different movies all work together, and it becomes a cohesive vision of four people who think very different things about what's happening. And part of that is because Gone Girl is about different interpretations of the yes. same story the same marriage the same yeah. whatever it just normally doesn't work at all and single white female is a wonderful example of four different people making four different movies and i yeah. very much like the one jennifer jason lee is making yeah. and i just yeah. kind of want to go hang out with her yeah. no i agree i mean it, it's i mean listen this goes for most things but you know if this if if we could get a remake of single white female written by gillian flynn and directed by david fincher it would be awesome i mean i also think you know david fincher you know, notoriously, his first film is in 1992, and it's Alien Three. Kind of wish that it was single white female because I'll tell Another you, like movie dripping with eroticism. <laughs> yes, yes. I think I, that I, I, I think that it is interesting, though. Again, I won't go too mm. far down the Fincher sure. path, but like Panic Room has mm. like these really interesting kind of like elements of using the space that single white female attempts to have in this like kind of like using the bowels of the apartment building and what do you have around you like it's the vents it's the screwdriver there is this kind of like tactility that single white female wants to have but again it's just it's too messy it's the sense of space too like i think about what like i mean like just to compare it with like fatal attraction which i think is like if you think about like the preeminent one like the whole final act of fatal attraction works so well because you know the layout of the house and you know like the stakes and it's so well paced the way that that ending plays out so like it leaves you on such a high Mm-hmm. Like versus this movie where it's like, oh, we're going to rush to the end. And now know? it's over. Yeah. yeah. Just on the, just on the level of class politics, these movies fundamentally are about the continued seduction of capitalist rich upper class structures where you are like oh i want to live in that apartment and then like the movie is sort of about or in the case of fatal attraction in that enormous house house, the movie is sort of about all of the like like the inertia within the status quo that keeps dragging you back to that space the gravity Mm -hmm. of living there and i think fincher for as much of us like as far as much of a probably straight white guy as he is gets like i think his his class politics get him to that place where he's like talking about this stuff in an interesting dark way that schroeder just schroeder like if you've seen reversal of fortune his movie immediately before this it is very much it is a good movie it's got a lot of wealth porn in it and i think i think someone who makes wealth porn can't really make a movie like this and you mentioned fatal attraction and this is very much like fatal attraction told from the point of view of the woman who was wronged by the guy yeah. but then it kind of goes off in a different direction in a way that isn't as satisfying yeah yeah it's i just think that ultimately you know i don't think that schroeder's having as much fun as he could be having with it i think that you know as fincher has has you know so eloquently said he thinks all people are perverts and that that's why his movies work as well as they do and i think that if he approached this movie in that way to some degree or another i think that it just would have had it just doesn't feel as dangerous as it could feel Right. And it doesn't feel it doesn't feel dangerous enough. It doesn't feel campy enough. So it's sort of existing in this in this weird purgatory between those two things. And that's I mean, listen, I liked this movie and we'll rate it in a minute. But I do think that, um, you know, hindsight being what it is and the, the, the progress that we've made to some degree or another in filmmaking, I think 
we're able to look back on this and be like, these are the things that would have changed. These are the things that could have been better or whatever. But as a product of 1992, I actually think it's surprisingly effective considering. I imagine if I saw this in 92, I'd probably be relatively impressed by it. I just think about like the camp of like, they, I'm just like what you were talking about earlier, like probably one of my all time favorite movies is Death Becomes Her. And that is so good at how it has its like yeah. finger on the pulse of camp. And if this movie was able to do either that side of camp, or as you were saying, like that would be so like, you could see a version of this that is so fun and like sure. gleeful. And there would be like summer screenings, you know what I mean? Like where sure. everyone's cheering with an insane totally. kill, you yeah. know, it just, it doesn't well, have that. Like- it's funny you bring up Zemeckis because like Death Becomes are also notoriously a film that didn't do particularly well when it came out. No one was, everyone was just like, what is this? Now, obviously it's a masterpiece, but at the time no one really got it. You know, Zemeckis does um, uh, What Lies Beneath, um, you know, years later, which is sort of his Hitchcockian thing. And there, I would say this movie plays a little bit in the What Lies Beneath category of like that movie could have been campier that movie could have had a little bit more fun um there's like seeds of that stuff existing in the film but they never really because Zemeckis is not that guy so he's just sort of like wait but can I do a weird camera angle where we go into the floorboards and they're like yes Bob fine sure like (laughs) see the ghost Yeah, yeah exactly so it's like I I do think it's interesting how like a movie like this probably i mean ultimately doesn't get made or at least doesn't get a theatrical release today um there are all sorts of thrillers that are sort of trafficking in this stuff but it doesn't feel like it's doing what this movie's doing but emily you look like you had something to say oh i just was i i was disagreeing about um actually i like death becomes her but i don't think it's a masterpiece um but we'll talk about that on a future episode we will um i uh i I think the robert zemeckis of it just always gets in the way the the performances obviously brilliant um i can no i mean we 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 talked about that when we discussed it on the show was like it does feel like zemeckis is in his own way a little bit but the no for sure other good elements yeah i think that yeah and when you say the zemeckis of it all emily and you guys you're referring sort of to the kind of the whiz bangness of the kind of the technical stuff that he's doing i think he gets distracted enough by the visual effects to not get in the way of what everyone else is doing but he every time he's like i have to pay attention to the story you're like oh robert zemeckis has never met a gay person like he just has not that has not happened he also maybe arguably has never met a woman period and i know he's married so that feels strange yeah. His, there well, was, when you look at the depictions of his wife on screen, you still kind he's of like, feel like Anka, he's never met a woman. <laughs> yeah. The uh, uh, there was an interview. I think it was either with him or the writer where they talk about how the movie's been adopted by like the drag and queer community with Death Becomes Her, and they were like, "Oh, really? I didn't know that. Cool." <laughs> and you're like, "You are didn't you know that? You? Like, what do you mean the movie's?" I mean, like, David Cap is too busy counting his. Jurassic Park right. millions. Right. Yeah. You will never need another Believe dollar. Me, it was a very fun movie to talk about and yeah. dig into. So we'll, no, we'll I, save I, listen, we'll save the meat of that for I'm, when you guys get I'm to very do excited that. to to yeah. talk about it. Um we have a hopefully we'll be able to get a very special guest to come on for that. Um Robert but, Zemeckis, uh, I'm seeing yeah, Robert Zemeckis is coming on. Zemeckis. Yeah. Um, but but that being said, I think that this movie exists in an interesting space that I don't know that I can really I mean listen we're gonna watch a lot of 1992 films a lot of thrillers so like it's possible that this film clumps very easily with the aforementioned basic instincts or hand that rocks the cradle or final analysis or consenting adults or any number of the various sort of thrillers that we're gonna see and maybe they all kind of uh traffic in similar terrain I don't know but 
in a in a vacuum right now watching this film, I was pleasantly surprised that it was more substantive than I thought it was going to be to a certain degree, just in terms of the subtext. Um, whether that's merely on the page and that Schroeder is just flat out ignoring that stuff or whatever, the dynamics between the two of them, between Ali and Hetty, uh, pretty awesome, kind of cool, doing a lot of weird shit. And I was pleasantly surprised by that. Phil, uh, before we get on to rating the yeah. film, can I rate this on the early 90s queer phobia scale, um, which yeah. I did on the Under Siege episode and decided to make a thing. We didn't do it for Aladdin. Like I'm going to give Aladdin a two retroactively for whoever <laughs> updates the wiki. You can hear my baby. Hold on. Um, yeah, we didn't talk about it on Aladdin. Um, Esty didn't have thoughts about the, but she did say that she basically wants to have sex with the entire cast. Listen, uh, I mean, the only reason I'm getting it... The only reason I'm giving it a two on the queer phobia scale is Robin Williams has some various queer things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes. So where would this rank for, uh, well, let's we'll wait a second since Emily is, uh, is currently um, about to feed her, her, her child. Uh, I was going to say this movie's like a five. Okay. Every time she calms down, I'm like, oh, I'm going to, okay. This movie's like a five on the queer phobia scale. What is the um, scale? Zero to 10? The is scale is one. The scale is 10 is the most queer phobic and one is the least queer phobic. Okay. That is the scale. So this is Hold on. I have to pop a bottle in. The- <laughs> I think I this makes say, sense to our, though. To our listeners, um, Emily's doing a hell of a job. Yeah. Um, Absolutely killer. Yeah. Multitasking. Hello. Um, anyway, I feel like, uh, I, I tweet, I put this on Letterboxd with mm-hmm. the, with the review, the trans feminine urge to become Bridget Fonda specifically. Um, and I think, I think we could get turfs to like say that this movie is what trans women want and we could like discredit them that way. Like, I think JK Rowling could be like, and they're entering women's spaces and they're inherently violent. And they all want to be Bridget Fonda for some reason. And like, people would start like laughing at them. So that's, I give it a five because it's, it is Barbara Schroeder has never, is just not, it doesn't understand the stuff that Don Roos does. So like, I think it's an interesting blend of queer phobia and like actual queer content. Where does it fall for you guys on the queer quadrant scale? Did you, have you, have you covered this on, you have not. We have not covered this on the the quads. We will. Okay. Okay. Um, Well then we, I don't want to steal your, I won't steal your rating from you guys, but, um, but I do think that on the queer phobic scale, that mm-hmm. Emily just the aforementioned where would you where would this film fall for you guys in the queer phobic sky scale I actually agree with like a five right down the middle right. because it does feel like some of the it puts forward stuff that then it counteracts uh-huh, uh-huh. and it, it, it does put forward like you know some, maybe like some deeply straight stuff that then is queerified as well so it is it's an interesting kind of like swirl of it is a it is a it's a yeah. neapolitan of uh yes. queer phobia. <laughs> for, for every for every completely charmless kiss on the lips there's a weirdly erotic undressing uh-huh. right. scene you yeah. know yeah yeah what do you think yeah probably that i think it just leaves you with such a bad taste and like yeah. like i just keep going back to like the her like deep-seated like fear of like other women and like becoming or like accepting her queerness i think just like pervades all ultimately in the end you know like it kind of just leaves you with a more bad taste in your mouth so are you gonna rate it higher i'm gonna go a little like higher a... yeah like oh, a six okay. six okay six or seven that know, like I, is the you, cycling I, no i don't like it no it's just like, it's sad it because it. i get that the frustrating thing is you can see the queerness that could have been successful with a different director 
and material, yes. you know. I, um, I, I want to be clear that Under Siege, which features uh, Gary Busey using an F slur oh, no. and dressing and drag, got a seven. So that, that's, oh. that's, our, that's our baseline here. Five. Five is great. <laughs> Five is... Wow. What that is, is it? That was what perfect. Is, what is a 10 then? I'm so scared of what a 10 oh, is. Oh, yeah. we'll find out. I feel like we got some coming. I just feel uh, like, I, uh, I feel like we got some coming. Yeah. yeah. We have some, we have, I mean, we have the crying game. Ooh. Oh, God. So, what if there was a you game know, you could cry? What if, yeah. Uh, I want to just talk very quickly before we rate this um, about uh, the very final moment that, that, that uh, Brooke brought up, this sort of epilogue. Um, yes. I want to bring this up just because there's a bunch of things that I don't like. Uh, I don't like her uh, making excuses for Hetty's downfall, saying it was survivor's guilt and how it could destroy a person. Uh, I don't like that, quite frankly, that Allie doesn't get even like remotely a happy ending, like something that makes me think that Allie isn't going to turn into a sociopath now. Like there's nothing that sort of for Bridget's character to sort of, again, it comes back to the rushing and just wanting to be out of the theater so like there's a part of me that just wishes that they had taken a second um even just a um uh a reunion with her and graham you know what i mean something that makes me go like she's gonna be okay her and graham are gonna move in together and and there's gonna be a television show about them or whatever the case might be um something and then uh, that's a great backstory for will and grace i was was thinking yeah I watched that. It's that an incredible backstory for Willie Grace. I wish that that was true. And then just the shitty photo, which is so like hacky and on the nose. There's like this photo oh, of the two of them. Their faces are blending into one another. I was like, what? Why do you even have this photo? What's That's going what we on? Call the Schroeder touch, baby. <laughs> That's the Schroeder touch. Um, the thing is, like Paul, uh, like. Paul Verhoeven is the least subtle person ever, but I love his unsubtlety. Listen, you got it. So be... it's like, it depends on exactly. who's giving it. He's like, I'm going to give you all your craziness. And you're like, yes, give me that. Well, this is the you thing. It's not, beautiful man. it's not crazy enough. Like yes, that's the, that's that's the problem. Uh, and then he likes to throw in the most on the nose thing that you can without like, again, committing to the bit yeah. to use a Jordanism. Uh, one other thing that I really do hate yes. about that ending monologue is how she's still like, and at the end of the day, I'm still mourning Sam. Yeah. And I was like, right. okay. you're still, he <laughs> sucks. What did he ever do for you? Ever. I don't like the, the Sam uh, callback sucks. I also think that the, and this comes back to the way she kills Hetty, which is that, and I'm beginning to think that the reason it's not a quote unquote good kill or an interesting kill is because they want you to feel sorry for Hetty at the end. And it was like, you are missing the fucking point here, people. Like, you've got to go farther and she needs to be like a straight up villain. I and think, they just don't oh, do that. Yeah, no, no, please go. Please. Sorry. I, I think there is an element to it too of like for a while in these kind of like female driven thrillers, people were afraid to give the woman who we were supposed to be rooting for like too much of yes. like too much violence. Like yes. she kind of has to have a self-defense only kill because yeah. like we're not supposed to revel in her in killing somebody. Like no, I get it. Which it's is just so much less fun. You it know? is less fun and it feels as though you're you're just you're defeating the purpose of the movie like you're shooting yourself in the foot and creating something that's just not that much it isn't isn't nearly as interesting as it could be um and you're not really giving people what they want despite the fact that like but listen 85 million dollars it did what it was supposed to do i guess but yeah. um so as i mentioned didn't really see this in 92 it seemed bits and pieces so i'm not going to rate it from then but i gave this film before the podcast 
a 78. And I think I'm kind of going to stick there. I think I'm, a, I'm oh. maybe I'll go down a little bit. I think I'm going to go down to seven five. But I still, I think that this movie is better than I expected it to be. Um, the fact that we've been able to have this whole conversation about various motives and subtexts that could have existed. Um, it's stylishly made. It's doing a lot of, you know, body, you know, forward stuff. Like, I think this movie is, is, is better than than its ending. It deserves a better ending. Um, the last, as we said, sort of 20 minutes of this moment were kind of a clusterfuck. But I don't know. That's where I'm at. I'm at a 75. What about you guys? What about you, Brooke? Um, I think, like, speaking to what you just said, it's the could have, like, what yeah. this movie yeah, could have yeah. been totally. that I think drags me down a little bit. Okay. I would say before this movie, I was at about a 60 but Uh I do I do think that like it's been interesting to kind of like unpack its place in the culture and maybe like how things were going to evolve in the next five years and this sort of like being a little bit of a relic of this pre-1994-esque like time um so I think I'm gonna pull it up to I'm gonna say a solid 67 that feels right all right that's yeah what about you uh Jordan well, since I hadn't seen it before, this is really just my first watch. Correct. I do think the conversation is interesting. It did make me, I think, appreciate maybe its intention more. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, uh, Babbitt's uh, subtle, almost unnoticeable execution of his uh, filmmaking prowess does leave me with a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. So I'm going to go with like a 62, 63. Okay. okay. Yeah. What about you, Emily? Uh, I'm giving it a 69, a number I came by honestly. Uh, nice. So I was like, this is over a 60. It's not quite a 70. What's mm-hmm. the highest 60 number there is? And I was like, well, it's 69. So that's my number and I'm sticking with it. And it is almost 420. It, it is <laughs> almost 420 right now during this um, Well, listen, guys, uh, thank you so much for coming on. You guys Thank are the best. We, can't, we cannot wait to have you back and talk about other uh, other films from 1992. And can't wait to have you on our uh, the Patreon as well. Brooke, you're coming on to talk about our girl Taylor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, we've got we've got that uh, Emily's best friend Taylor Swift. Um, it's um... Yeah. Yes, Emily. <laughs> no, yeah. Listen, I, I, it's, it's, it's on my vision board. It's happening. I just, I did just ask my wife if she wanted to rank the members of Wings. Yes, and yes. she said, "No, you insult me." So uh, that my <laughs> rankings insult her. So that is, uh, that's what it's like to really be in a lesbian relationship. Everybody, it's, uh, yeah. Um, well, listen, I can't wait to talk about Taylor Swift with you, Brooke. It's going to be great. Me Jordan, too. I can't wait until you pick what, what your double feature is going to be. Um, you know, I, I was like, all right, hold on. I'm going to make a note for myself famously. Yeah. You need yeah. to make a note because you need to pick a double feature. Uh, it can be two movies, two episodes of television, two songs, two albums. It can be two basically of anything. Uh, yes, Emily? Can I make you read two Russian novels? You can try. <laughs> um emily you're coming out you're coming on the first one the first uh patron it's gonna be great uh it's uh it's uh she's comparing return to oz to petite maman uh obviously Ooh, yeah. two movies about how it's weird to be a girl <laughs> so uh you know people have that to look forward to but listen this was a blast 
Um, I can't wait. And I'm also, I'm coming on your podcast to talk oh, about yeah, something very are. soon. Yes, you so, are. Uh, we need to record wait. that soon. Um, we'll be getting a blue. Wow. No. Oh, wait, no? No. no. Oh, fuck. No. That was <laughs> fucking amazing. That is not a clue. I can, um, can I say all, what it is? All I, I can say is mm. beware of the music. Right. Oh, yeah, there we go. There we go. Right, right, right. Uh, it's going to be great. I can't wait. I don't know how gay that movie is, though, but I'm looking forward oh, to unpacking it with we've you. We've convinced you before, and we will convince you again. Oh, you will unquestionably <laughs> convince me. That. I'm not, I, I don't know do that. The but. movie is completely queer i mean it's so Can't it's wait. so camp it'll be like a good camp queer if yes. people haven't guessed if phil's gonna come discuss josie and the pussycats with us in the very near future um how can you say that's not gay phil? thank oh you God. emily thank you yeah i'm sorry i don't my listen i need you guys to educate me and that's we what got i'm looking you. forward to we're, that's what we're um, gonna it's for. gonna be great yeah. and that movie's i love that movie so any, i mean can't wait um this was great guys you're the best um and we we almost made it to 420 so look at that thank All you right. so much for having us oh uh, my god do you guys wait also plug your fucking podcast plug your uh, shit. yeah i mean listen you can listen to the queer quadrant on spotify and, and yeah. apple and yeah. wherever yeah. else you care to get your podcast uh you can follow us on twitter and on instagram at queer quadrant and you can find jordan and i there as well just you follow the Emily's up too. yeah and you should listen yes. what did emily come on for cloud, cloud atlas. atlas fuck yes. yeah she did I feel like it's just me talking about random bullshit for two hours. <laughs> what is Cloud Atlas? That is Cloud Atlas. Awesome. Kind of cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. Random bullshit. Yeah. It has that some is... of the best tangents ever featured in the history of the show, That's including true. the Taylor Swift Carly Claus. Uh, uh, you there's, know. A, there's a Taylor Carly? Oh, tangent? Phil, you have no idea. We're going to have so much fun on Patreon. And we talk a little bit about Yellow Jackets, which is a great show. Um, and you can also listen to Phil and Kenny talk about Moulin Rouge if you want. It's true. We did come up from Moulin Rouge, and that was. Yeah. A great episode where both of us were we like convinced it wasn't that gay weirdly and then or was it like the most gay i feel I like it was the most, most gay. gay kenny yeah. gave that film five out yeah. of five stars so. yeah well because kenny's an ally as everyone <laughs> yes flat ally of the yeah. year yeah <laughs> but uh anyway guys thank you so so much thank you, thank you for having us talk to you guys soon bye 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.